Hello and welcome to the last Ram Nintendo podcast as we know it. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. And I'm drinking in celebration. Not not like because that because we're finishing, but more like, hey, you know, the, the podcast is ending. The, the, achievement, the achievement, the fact exactly. that we're sunsetting a show that's been running ten and a half yeah. years, and the fact that we're doing it at episode 284. Yeah, that seems like right? something we're talking about. Hold on, let, let me see if, let me see I mean, if the mic will pick up this. This uh, opening of a of a beer. Oh no! Wow, that was and it did. Well, I that was a commercial level like sounds of Christmas. Well, well, worth mentioning. We have different mic cheers. feeds than the recording, cheers. so presumably it's as as gotcha. crisp. Yes, I cheers, guys, ju- through, through the mic. For anybody that's wondering, this is a uh, common space in collaboration with Bottle Logic Brewing Black Cake Barrel Aged Stout. I should have, in retrospect, gone down to my fridge and grabbed. I have Mario Tart, Mario Kart themed sour beer, but I didn't think of grabbing one. And now we're on. You're mic, always so it's too late. I just have water. It's, it's, it is not too late to like just that. to just go it, in there and grab it. No, it's it's too late. But really it's uh yeah, it's it's from it's really um it's from Eight Bit Brewery. It's the last in, we can vamp. It, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Really. Um, Angel and I were drinking earlier anyway. We were at uh Anime Expo today. And which we didn't have a whole lot of Nintendo stuff, by the way, so nothing to report there. But um, yeah, so we we have a few drinks there anyway. But yeah, it's kind of I mean honestly, it's kind of a bittersweet feeling at this point for me, like the the final episode here. How how are you besides you having a few drinks and Angel, you and I slogging through Amex? But how are you guys feeling going into like this final random Nintendo podcast as we know it? Honestly, kind of surreal, but kind of cool. But you know, I mean, we're we're still going. We're not going anywhere, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like a title change and like you know, just kind of a general change of format philosophy. Change. Like does, mm-hmm. like you know, it still feels like we're in for a a conclusion of sorts. So it does feel what's the word I'm looking for? Um, humbling, bittersweet, humbling, oh, humbling, yeah, humbling and bittersweet. Yeah, yeah, bittersweet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is a good one. Yeah, go with that. And Kevin, you're just having a grand old time. I'm seems. having a great time. I'm sorry if I'm sorry. I'm, I may, so, I may have had a few drinks before we're recording this podcast. It's, it's like, it's like Nintendo, Ram Nintendo unleashed, uh, after dark. But no, real quick for anyone who, um, out there maybe didn't tune in to our last two episodes of the podcast. Um, first to quote Reggie, what's wrong with you? But, but second, yes, this is the last version of this podcast in the format that we have been doing for the past decade. As Angel alluded, we are sort of mixing things up going forward. Um, hence, our title of this episode is Thanks for Playing. Um, but to be clear, we're not, like Angel said, we're not actually going anywhere ourselves. We'll give you the full scoop of what that means for you and your ears at the tail end of the episode, everyone out there. Um, but to be honest, I, I was kind of hoping that we'd wrap the current show with a big bang of a first-party Nintendo Direct. Yet for the first time outside of maybe like the peak pandemic summer of June 2020, uh, or summer 2020, Nintendo did not deliver one of those directs in June that they always do. It was a bit of a swerve on their part. Anyone bummed we didn't get the proper direct, or maybe you prefer this new uncharted terrain of who knows when they'll announce things now? Like, it's all surprises now. It's odd that we didn't I mean, get one. Right? A little? Yeah, I mean, it is weird, but maybe at the same time, it's like, this change that we're going through didn't come out of nowhere it's been gradual and you know it led up to this point and you know things have also been changing in the gaming space especially you know with nintendo you know how things have impacted this year with covid and you know mm-hmm. with honestly i am not very surprised that they didn't have a direct but i 
feel like I kind of just haven't based on just when they announce certain things. I've, it seems to just been very much like, you know, they'll just announce something and announce things. And that's just, that's just it. So, yeah, I think... So, you know, it's, it's, I, it's, I it's, do, it's almost like, yeah. you know, it's the step into that change. So it almost even feels like appropriate that like, yeah, this is like a <laughs> right, sign right. that we are changing as well. Like Nintendo didn't have a direct this year because who knows when they're going to have it now. They might just start doing them all in like September or August. Maybe they're just going to have like two big ones throughout the year. Who knows? But just like Nintendo, you know, like we just decided to somehow coincidentally change around the same time. But yeah, I like how reading between the lines that could also be interpreted as well. If Nintendo's not gonna give us news, we're not gonna report the news. We're done. But no, I think in hindsight, with uh, like E3 yeah. being like exactly what you're saying, you know, E3 being canceled, the industry kind of splintering with like some doing a summer game fest type thing and others just not like this is the time if there ever was a time for anyone involved with gaming, us, Nintendo, whatever, to shake up what they do. Like in Nintendo's case, you know, shake up the format, shake up the schedule they've used for like literally the entire existence of our show. Uh, then sure, like why not make it this year? I kind of, I do kind of get that. Um, I was actually listening to the uh, Kit and Krista podcast the other day. You know, the former Nintendo Minute NOA employees, and Kit raised a point that this is really an opportunity to actually be able to reset everyone's expectations finally, to be able to actually surprise people again, kind of like you were saying, because like internally. He was saying Nintendo is not a fan of folks figuring out the formula to such a degree. I mean, the fact that we were able to sit here for so many years and say the Tuesday in the teen week of June, we will get a direct at 9 a.m. and it'll be their biggest of the year like that. You know, then there's an expectation that comes with that that even Nintendo doesn't necessarily want. Um, so he's right. Like, it's kind of fun now that we're in this uncharted territory. You never know when you're going to get a direct or anything like that. And I guess sort of along those lines, one thing I I personally did not expect these past few weeks is to feel such a Nintendo-like vibe without any actual first-party anything. I mean, it, I take that back. Immediately, we we got a uh, Xenoblade Direct, which was a solid 20 minutes of info for fans of that series. But um, that's not really any of our three's cup of tea, right? Like, I don't think we really want to do an injustice to the game by talking about when we're not you know, that well-vested or invest or vetted in the Xenoblade world. Like, did neither of you watch it either, right? Or did you guys check it out? Yeah, no, that, that, that's, a fair, that's a fair assessment. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So, so Xenoblade aside, taking that out of the equation, it's just interesting that everything going on with Switch in time for this final episode of ours has really been beyond the walls of Nintendo itself, but so much feels like the spirit of Nintendo to me, kind of. Like, you know, we had the partner showcase, which we'll just be talking like about later. Podcast. We're just going to go uh, beyond the wall of Nintendo. Exactly. That's where we're going next. But yeah, like these last couple of weeks, like we had the partner showcase, uh, which many of the mascots and IPs shown are like right at home on Nintendo platforms or even like the Smash Bros roster. I count them out and literally a third of the games shown in that partner showcase are franchises that were represented in Smash Ultimate. So like right there, it's kind of Nintendo without being Nintendo or like new releases on Switch, you know, impressions. We're going to be talking about what we've been playing, of course, and it's games like Fall Guys, which wears a lot of Nintendo inspiration on its sleeve, or like Capcom Fine Collection, which is, you know, full of games that have crisscrossed with Nintendo history, or even if you look at, like, recent eras of Nintendo with the big, like, indie pushes, um, you know, a game like Neon White fits right into that, and that's when we have impressions of, too, this episode. So what I'm saying is, like, two things, really. One, per usual, all those topics that I rattled off are coming your way and have individual timestamps on this episode's RamNintendo.com blog post, if you want to jump straight to them. But more significantly, this does kind of, like you were saying, Angel, there's some parallels here. This does kind of feel like a pretty good way to end a Nintendo podcast. Like, we're diving into the broader reach, the broader influence, and after so many years of talking about how Nintendo, like, needs to shore up third-party support, 
a well-rounded episode that's almost entirely made up of exactly that and good stuff at that is kind of fitting. Maybe even poetic in a way. Like we're ending an entire podcast with just the third party happenings because there's that much of that many of them. So yeah, I guess let's jump in. Um, one final officially designated what we've been playing segment. And um, unless either of you object, why don't we start retro? Why don't we kind of work from old to new? And um, Angel, do you want to touch on Capcom Fine Collection, which I know I think you just picked up recently, right? Yeah, so like I actually want to talk about that game. And of course, um, it's kind of revisit Ninja Turtles because I did go back mm, to it. Mm-hmm. And, well, I shouldn't even say go back to it. I never really stopped playing it. Um, but, you yeah, know, like my first impressions were not necessarily the best ones like i did find it fun but you know i just had like some gen a lot of my general nitpicks with like um i guess i should say beat em ups were still present but you know upon just like playing it more just like really like diving into the mechanics like it i just really started to come around and i don't think i don't remember like how much this was stated in the last episode but like the the references and the attention to detail, like, really does shine through a ton. Especially, like, the more you get into it. Because, like, it, you know, my brother and I, like, you know, we're huge Ninja, Ninja Turtle fans. This, of course, mainly focuses on references from the classic cartoon and mainly the arcade machine. Like, I would almost say that if you never watched the original cartoon and just played a ton of the original arcade, then you're probably going to, like, still appreciate this game just as much as someone that just watched the cartoon but didn't play the arcade machine which is kind of what we what boat we were at um yeah like we recognize a lot of the characters like because you know they're obviously from the show that's where they're getting them from they rarely like invented characters just for the arcade machine but you know music cues animation that kind of stuff like yeah they all came from the arcade machine and you know of course like i recognize like just about all of them just because you know i we did play it enough to get a lot of those things but for the most part Mm -hmm. like yeah there was definitely like some well actually i should just say one thing one glaring thing that really stood out because this game and it's it's like the most nitpicky thing ever but it's just funny like i just have to mention it because this game like think of it like smash brothers where you could tell that the the people that made this game were big fans of turtles especially arcade machines like attention to detail is immaculate like everything is just so on point the new what's new is amazing what's old is greatly and honored that it makes it that much harder and that much more shocking when there is something that feels like such a glaring like huh and yeah it, it's almost kind of silly to say but basically when you get towards the end of the game or throughout the game in general, you know, as you're playing through the levels, especially through story mode, and I should say only story mode, you get to basically free what you call cameo characters. And then, you know, they'll give you, like, a mission, like, oh, like, you find the punk frogs, and they're like, go find some bugs for me. None of these are ever really hard. You could almost ignore what they're saying, and you're going to find the bugs no matter what. Like, they're not, nothing is really cleverly hidden or anything you're just playing through the game break some boxes oh look a bug and before you know it you just complete it without even really putting any thought into it sure that's fine whatever um but these characters are voice acted and you know for the turtles and for some of the other characters they either get the original voice actors which you know is freaking crazy and awesome 
And for others, like, you know, for crying, or in the case of Shredder, you know, like, rest in peace, uh, James Avery, like, you know, you can't exactly, you know, get the original with a Shredder anymore, so you get someone to do, like, you know, an imitation, and, you know, like, for the most part, like, they sound fine, you know what they're going for, it does the job, like, crying, like, mostly works, but then, because, you know, they're trying to replicate that voice, but then you get to the neutrinos, which are an alien race of, you know, like, I guess, rebellious kids from Dimension X. They have, like, metallic, very spiky hair, very distinct. And in the show, they have a very distinctive, high-pitched voice. And it was probably one of the only things that is really, like, very distinctive about them, because that is what really stuck with my brother and I when we first watched the show. And for whatever reason, instead of having a high-pitched voice, they sound like gentle old men. I don't know what it is. Can you can you give us an example? Can you imitate it to any yeah, degree? They're, they're Both like, the high pitched voice and the new gentle old man voice. I am not even going to try to imitate the high pitched <laughs> voice because it's almost like <laughs> okay, you know, it, it's almost good that they like recorded it and then went to a booth and they got like pitched up almost like you do the chipmunks. It's like on oh, that, like chipmunks. Yeah, it's like on that kind of level. Um, but in the game, they're almost like like. Oh, thank you for getting the the thing for us. We are very grateful for your help. It's like, what? It's like, did they even watch the show or know what the character <laughs> is? And, you know, the fact that I'm harping on this one thing for so long should let you know that the game is just that awesome overall. Like, it's incredibly fun. And, yeah, like, there's basically, like, nothing to really complain about that I have to complain about, like, the one really weird random thing. But it also feels like such a really weird random thing because everything is that immaculate. Like, they really did go above and beyond on everything else. And, you know, they, in spite of, despite everything being movie and game related, you know, the final boss is Super Shredder from, you know, from the live action movies, the second one actually, which is also kind of weird. I thought like they would pick something from the show. You know, Super Shredder is iconic, so it's not like, it wasn't, it didn't feel like, like oh, this is, feels wrong. It was just like, oh, this is an interesting pick. Couldn't they? have found anything else but you know it's so cool but this one just stood out that much more because everything was just so on point that it just kind of left a kind of weird taste almost kind of like and i know this is like just because sakurai is just how he is but you know it's like with all the attention to detail that all these characters get even when they had the chance to redesign and do all these other things like bowser is still crazy beast animal overall and barely references anything about his games outside of, hmm, breathing fire, I guess. Like, you know, he basically just plays like, he is a giant dragon monster. How would that play? Instead of like, this is Bowser. What can we look back and see? You know, what can we throw out? Yeah, kind of like Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong kind of works a little better because, you know, he does kind of attack as an ape. But Bowser, you know, he's been in so many games playable as well. And, yeah, that didn't really reflect it too much in his gameplay, outside of, like, his down B. It's like, cool, we played Super Mario Bros. 3. This is what his moveset is. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's Team and Chief Shredder Revenge. <laughs> awesome piece of software. <laughs> I really recommend it. <laughs> but... It sounded like you are about to give it a 0 out of 10 for that voice actor change-up. No, it, 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 it's honestly one of those things that, like, it's really probably only gonna bother like my brother and i just because we're like that big of ninja turtle fans watch uh, them patch it and then we know they listened to the show what you know is like says a lot because we're already you know not necessarily fans of 
you know, beat him up. So the fact that a beat him up is getting us to say something like that is pretty crazy. And we do plan on like jumping back to it because it was generally fun. The games never, I mean, the levels never like overstay their welcome. The music is catchy. I'm literally like re-listening to it on Spotify all the time because it's just that darn awesome. But, you know, it was just one of those things that it just, if anything, it's more funny than anything now because it's like, everything was so great, but like, what? Like, honestly, like, when you hear the voices, it just kind of makes you laugh, like, wait, wait, what? That's what they sound like? Like, even someone that doesn't know what they sound like would still be like, that voice doesn't really match what they look like, like, at all. But, yeah, that's a shared revenge. But besides that, though, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Speaking of, let's continue. I mean, I get that. Yeah, like if if there's if they're doing so much to pay tribute and homage so well, and then there's one thing, it just it almost like exaggerates the mistake that much more because everything else, like the bar is so high that that one little thing, which if everything was kind of off kilter, wouldn't be an issue. That one little thing just stands out that much more by contrast. So I, I kind of yeah, get it. Yeah, especially from. because you know it's like going from like high pitch to low. It's like yeah, it does, yeah. Like it was there wasn't even an attempt to make it sound like you know like like it, it almost feels like right. they just had no idea who these characters are they were just like oh I, I guess we we're referencing them or something but you know right it's neither right. here nor there the the game itself is awesome and i really recommend it but the other one capcom fighting collection um i haven't had as much time to play this one as i did turtles but i get i did get to play it a few times especially with some coworkers, and it's been also a blast like yeah like i am also like getting tired of like oh god i got another capcom collection with street fighter again well aren't there enough like version of street fighter on reminds Switch me of and... the uh, sonic orange collection where i feel like we get a brand new sonic collection every year yeah mm. and... yeah capcom and sega really like milking them i mean think of like even sega ages like that you know how many different ways can you play the original sonic on switch i think it's at least four at this point including switch online like it's it's mm-hmm. maybe five it's the same game <laughs> but anyway you're you saying angel but honestly that was so, even that was something that kind of went away like after you first play because like you know this is something that depending on who you are like this may or may not even matter because you know it's still street fighter 2 but you know one of those games out of like the many that are on the many that are on there like it is a street fighter 2 but it's the street fighter 2 like anniversary like addition which for those that aren't sure what that means basically you know on the switch we have um i think it's called like super street fighter 2 like the final challenger which is basically the the newest and most up-to-date version of street fighter 2 but it's a single version of street fighter 2 it has a new character in violent ken and it just has like a few little like minor tweaks here and there to just give you like this is quote unquote the definitive street fighter experience and then we also had the the Street Fighter Anniversary Collection, which had, like, four different versions of Street Fighter 2. It had, like, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2, and Street Fighter 2 Hyper Fighting. Like, just had all of those. You could pick each one separately as their own game, and that was it. And then, you know, you also had your Alphas and your Third Strikes and what have you. But this game, while it does have one version of Street Fighter 2, because it's this aniv- the special anniversary one... This anniversary one is actually like, and this might get confuse or help, but it's exactly like um Ultra Street Fighter Four, which by this point it's basically just taking all the old versions of Street Fighter Two that were that have ever existed, and putting it in one cartridge, and 
I guess it's actually like the one that we just like for a bunch of tournaments and stuff because when you go to the title screen, the character select screen, you could basically pick any character and then pick how you want that character to play. So you could literally have Street Fighter 2 playing as the original Street Fighter 2 Ryu and then pick Ken, but then have Ken be like Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo Ken. So you could literally have like two versions of huh. like two different versions of Ryu and Ken from games that you realize are from like, you know, different eras. Uh, not eras, that's the wrong word. From different versions of the game and play against each other. Because some are definitely way more broken to do. Or you could have like two Ryu's against each other, but still have them be completely different types of Ryu's. Because some Ryu's have, you know, the fire the actual you know, when I say fireball, I don't just mean the Hadouken. Like a literal ball of fire, which is when you do a whole full half circle back towards the front and press punch because you know you have your hadouken then you have your fire hadouken because he didn't always have that move and there are also some things that didn't always connect and that's actually kind of cool and interesting and i didn't even realize that was something that was missing from the other collections maybe intentionally so that they could do this yeah just say but you know hey i don't mind it almost gave me like another reason to actually not only do i not mind I like that they did this because it still gives me a reason to still boot up those other games because, you know, there isn't a version with Violent Ken in the Anniversary Collection. And now all those versions of Anniversary Collection still stand on their own with this new one that has this crazy amalgamation of Street Fighter in this really interesting way, which is why I mentioned Street Fighter Ultra Street Fighter 4, which is the same thing because you could play, you know, Ryu as Super Street Fighter 4 and have someone else be... Like, you know, like I said, can from Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition or something. Do, but, do you think the days are numbered for these, like, constant re-releases of fighting games? Because now they could just patch characters. Like, it's not like Smash Bros. has, like, eight versions for every character tweak. Like, do you think, like, Street Fighter 6 when it comes out? It's just going to be Street Fighter 6. It's not going to be, like, Street Fighter 6 Hyper or Ultra Street Fighter 6 Turbo. It's just going to be Street Fighter 6 with patches added over time. Or do you no, think they'll still do this because they see a way to keep milking sales? Because Street Fighter 4 was the first one to, you know, since we came back, Street Fighter 4 brought back, like, you know, basically brought back the fighting game genre after this big drought. And by that point, it was entirely possible to do these updates purely via patch. And they did, but they also released them as a disc, basically as okay. a catch-up mechanic. For like, oh, if you don't have the game, you could just buy this. Because they, each version was not just like a balance change. It was also like a substantial update. Like when you had Street Fighter 4 come out, it was like, say, say like a base roster of like 25 characters. And then a year later, when Super Street Fighter 4 came out, they added 10 more characters and new stages and new modes. And then like a year and a half from then, they released Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, which added four more characters. And blah, blah, blah. And then they added Ultra Street Fighter 4, which also added, like, a couple more characters. So, like, there was always, like, enough of it, you know, and different mechanics to the core fighting. Like, now you could have, like, the option to choose two different Ultras. And before there was just one Ultra. And now you could also have a version of your character that can have both Ultras active simultaneously, but they're, like, a little weaker. So, and surprise, surprise, Street Fighter 5, a PS4 exclusive game, um... You know, which by that point has no excuses not to just be a patch update. Um, did the exact same thing. You had many versions of Street Fighter V as well that you can buy separately. And each were like kind of like a paid DLC. But 
you know, it added a ton of content. Well, actually, that one was more split into seasons, and then they just kind of like compiled a couple of the seasons into like a version of Street Fighter Five until you eventually got your final final version. But, I see. So yeah, the, we're, we're still gonna see different versions of it, but gotcha, but gotcha. it's gonna be less egregious because they're definitely gonna go by seasons. So you know when. Like the first couple ways of seasons are done, they're gonna release re-release that again as a compilation. Call that maybe Super Street Fighter Six, and then maybe have a couple more seasons after, and then maybe call the final one like you know Ultimate Street Fighter Six or something like that. So we probably won't have like eight different versions like we do Street Fighter Two, but there'll still be a couple for sure. Right, gotcha. But to kind of go beyond Street Fighter Two because you know this this collection isn't just Street Fighter Two. If anything. It's more the Darkstalkers collection because there are like five different Darkstalkers games in this one. Mainly because you have like your Japanese version, the English version, and there's like three, yeah, there's like you have Darkstalkers, aka Vampire Savior 1, Vampire Savior 2, then Darkstalkers 1 and 2, and there's like the third one that I'm kind of forgetting the title of. And you know, just like Street Fighter 2, it's basically the same idea. Each one like adds a couple new characters, adds a couple new mechanics. You go literally from, you know, your typical bring the character's life bar to zero that ends the round, everything resets again, and then see who can knock down their health bar first to the later Dark Soccer games. Basically, and I guess it made me go like, oh, maybe this is where Killer Instinct got the idea from, where basically you knock a character's health bar down to zero, and then the next round immediately starts right then and there, so that... You know, like, let's say I knocked down your health down to zero, Jason, but you had already done a lot of damage to me. I start the next Mm -hmm. round with that damage already there. So if I was, like, one hit away from losing, I'm still one hit away from losing. Then, let's say it was, like, the third round, then, bam, I just get one hit, and then I just still lose anyway, even though a new round just started. Or if I knocked you down to zero first, but I was also pretty low on health, you hit me twice, my health is dropped down to zero, and then just resets again, then and there. And you just continue fighting. It's just like basically like one giant health bar. Right. It's just right. split into like I guess kinda of like like, oh, this is just the beginning and end of different rounds, but it's still the same health bar. But super awesome game. That game unfortunately has never gotten like a proper revival. It's just gotten a bunch of re releases and it's always subjected to the quote unquote Capcom test where, you know, they'll release a compilation or they'll release like an old version of one of them and then they'll see how sales do and if it doesn't do well then they just don't do anything i mean street fighter 2 the final challengers was basically that it sold really well so we got the anniversary collection dark Darkstalkers dark stalkers got dark stalkers resurrection for the ps3 it did not do very well and we just didn't get anything for like almost a decade until now when we got them again so I wouldn't be surprised if people don't get this game that we're probably not going to see Darkstalkers again for a while because sometimes it doesn't feel like Capcom is trying to revive it because it's a really unique fighter and not to mention just a unique cast of characters. They're basically like a who's who of like, you know, types, like uh, horror movie archetypes. You know, you got like your um, Beast from the Lagoon, you got your vampires, you got your zombies, you got your mummies, and abominable snowmen, and plus a bunch of oddball things here and there. Like a Chinese zombie in Hosenko, who's like a really, uh, probably one of my favorite characters in, from Capcom. No way, really? really interesting. Oh, yeah. So, 
everybody would always make fun of me because in Marvel's Capcom 3, Hisenko was part of my uh, team. I love oh, really? Hisenko. Oh, my too. Yeah. Well, really? I, 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 never got, I, I, never got, I never got the making fun of, but she was definitely one of my mains. <laughs> like, yeah. I always had her on my team. I never understood. She was what considered I, low tier. Yeah, she's considered low tier. And, like, I always had really fun with Hisenko. I don't know if they play exactly yeah, the good. same as in, like, Dark Talkers, but, like, of Asenko. Asenko is awesome. Oh, yeah. Super fun character. Very weird. But, you know, he's, yeah, very quirky. But all those characters are also, like, super quirky. And, yeah, that's why I feel like a lot of people should, like, give that game a shot. Especially, you know, if you're into fighting games. Because I would love to see a modern, like, CG remake of... Or just, like, a new take on them. To see how they would get modernized. But, you know, that one is... It's tricky. Uh, the fighting and the commands like aren't as straightforward. Like in especially Marvel's Capcom Three, like some moves like she has like an ultra where she'll like drop a like a, a weight of sorts like an anvil and then it's gonna rain like spiky balls on you. That is normally done with like a half circle back like attack button. But in Darkstalker the original, it's like low kick, high kick, forward medium kick high kick some like crazy weird combo like that that isn't like just one command and it's like oh damn it's almost like this game is like ah you you, you master street fighter well here is this new game that's a little trickier it's gonna have like a higher skill ceiling but it's gonna be way more rewarding and maybe that was maybe its downfall like while they had a really awesome character it's like you can play like as the original little riding hood little red riding hood but you know, maybe the barrier for entry was just a little too high. But glad it's here. Glad I have it again at the very least. And, you know, and, you know, some other, like, standout things in the collection. Just not spoil everything. But, you know, you got, like, two different types of, like, puzzle fighters or pocket fighters. Cause I know yes, I wanted to ask you about that. Yes, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, right? Yeah, and you have, like, not to confuse them, not to confuse them with each other, but you basically have, like, these two games that use like chibi versions of the characters and one of them you actually fight each other using these chibi characters and punching them or getting kicked or you know getting attacked and will rain or will cause like gems to spawn you collect them you could do your supers and you know it's it's fun it's more simplistic it's less of a like sweaty competitive game but you know all of these obviously anything could be i mean just look at mario kart mario party those can be as sweaty and competitive as the next thing but, you know, it's just a, a fun, wacky version where, like, you have, like, combo that literally transform you into different Capcom characters. Like, if you play as Felicia the Cat from Darkstalkers, she will literally turn to Mega Man mid-combo and, like, shoot you with, like, uh, with the Mega Buster. So but is that one Gem Fighter? Or, that's not Puzzle Fighter, right? That's Gem Fighter that you're talking that's about. That's Gem Fighter, yeah. But then you have yeah, Puzzle okay, Fighter okay. that plays more like a match three it just looks like a match three but mm-hmm. it's not a match three mm-hmm. you could basically just like drop gems like crazy but until you drop like and they're all you know they're different colors if you match colors together the gems will start to link up with each other but they won't disappear no matter how many you stick next to each other the only way they disappear is if you drop like an orb of that color specifically an orb normally you're dropping gems but there's like a an orb with like an electrical aura to it that if you drop that, if it's in a if it's a red orb and you drop it next to the red gem, then it's gonna break all the red gems that are touching that red gem. You know everything in that chain. So if you somehow manage to like fill up the whole screen with red gems and then you get a red orb and touch it, you basically win the game. That's really hard to do, but you know it can happen. And sometimes more often than you think, based on the character that you pick. 
because every single character has like different gem combinations and they'll show you like a little visual that shows you like how the gems will be rained on your opponent if you clear a row so depending on what you pick you may like some characters have more advantages than other or they get more combos based on the types of like combinations you make but it's also another fun one but obviously like I would say two of the more standout games are the ones that never really had much of a U.S. release, and that's like Red Earth and Cyberbots. And Red Earth, it's kind of interesting because it's basically plays like a fighting game, or it's like a weird fighting game slash beat 'em up, but it's not multiplayer at all. Like you're really just playing against an AI, and it's like it's like a boss rush. It's almost like Monster Hunter before Monster Hunter, if Monster Hunter was like a 2D beat 'em up. You fight like one big boss, create the attacks, and then you go on to the next one. And there's only four like playable characters, but because you have so much boss variety and it's always keeping it fresh, it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool. And just very different. And kind of surprising that they've never really released that in the US. There might be, if I'm forgetting something, but it's my understanding that this is like the first time the US has properly gotten a version of this game. And then Cyberbots, you know, it's just another fighting game, but it's like you're playing as Max. And one of the characters, or one of the main characters in this game, is a character that came out in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Uh, his name is Jin, and he has, like, one attack where he uses, like, a, he throws it like a punch, but then a giant robot fist appears from, like, the left side of the screen and just demolishes everything to the right. And for the longest time, that was, like, the only, that was all we knew in the U.S. of Cyberbots. It's like, oh, this dude that punches with like a giant robot arm but now we get to see where the game is from and it's from a quirky like mech fighting game where you could like dismember the arms or something you could run them over with your treads and i don't know it's it's interesting because you pick a pilot and then you pick the mech but picking the pilot doesn't necessarily change the functionality of the mech the mech still well like if you pick the same mech if you and your opponent pick the same mech then your controls are going to be the same even if you both pick different pilots it just changes the interactions between them because they do have like you know their before their pre-fight quotes and post-fight quotes definitely change and that's kind of where you would pick your character and it's interesting maybe there's i'm sure there's more to it but you know that's kind of what i got just based on like the little time that i've had with it but as always in these collections my favorite part is honestly the museum you get to browse through all the music and play it how you want unfortunately it's not like smash Bros. where you could just let it play in the background you kind of have to stay in the music player but they also have like a bunch of concept art which is always super awesome you get to see like the like the storyboards for like the character select screen itself a lot of the thought process for like how they actually like plan out moves and all that stuff which is always cool to see because it's like you know art books are great you get to see a, the evolution of a bunch of characters but i feel you don't really get too often like ui concept art especially for like yeah character select screens which is really cool and it's like oh wow they it looks almost exactly like this and i don't know it, it's cool but yeah capcom fighter capcom fighting collection i would say it's another big win another really fun nice collection just to have on the switch just to throw on whenever and i hope it does well because i would love to see more of it and kind of a side note but i bought it at well, you know, yeah, when after I got it from the eShop, um, it gave me a code for, I forgot what game it was, but it gave me a code for a game in the, like, the volume two of the Capcom 
arcade collection. So I think once that oh, arcade uh, second stadium. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, so I think like once that comes out, because it wasn't valid right now, like I have to wait for that. Collection yeah, that's out, out July like seventeenth or something. Yeah. Yeah. So once that is out, I get to put in my code, and I guess I'll get a free game from that. So, but that's only that's like, funny. But that's only for a limited time. That's funny time. they did that. Like only... that's funny they did that because like Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo is in both. Like yeah. one of the potential draws to fighting collection is Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo. Which I considered paying the forty bucks for fighting collection just to get that because it's like online play. But then they announced it in Arcade Second Stadium for like three bucks. Doesn't have online play, but like thirty seven dollars cheaper. So it's funny that they're like overlapping the two, but then continuing to send people back to Second Stadium anyway. Yeah, it's oh, kind of interesting. But like maybe I guess this is how they price the online and the museum stuff for it because every game yeah. does have something. And, and, and to be fair, it has like rollback netcode, right? So like they really like. Oh yeah, it's like the kind made of the online. Like it, it's not like they just like did like quick like peer to peer. Like it's like yeah, it's it's legit. Oh, yeah, from it's, what I get, from what yeah, I've heard, it's the real deal. But yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So those are those games. Um, yeah, very very happy with both these purchases. Very welcome additions to my Switch. And yeah, definitely looking forward to just playing them more. Just finally happy to have a Darkstalker. I haven't had access to a Darkstalker since I've had it on the PSP. And I don't even have my PSP anymore, so I just haven't had access to a Darkstalker. So, this is awesome. If nothing else, the takeaway is you can access Darkstalkers again after many years of waiting. Yeah, because that, that was, at least for me, like the big draw. Everything was just cherry on top. Right. But those cherries are right, pretty right. awesome, so, yeah. Nice, nice. Um... Cool. Well, I was going to say, is there anything else you wanted to add about those games? But I don't know what you could possibly say at this point. Um, Kevin, what, you've, you've been playing Neon White, right? How's that? Holy hell have I been playing Neon White. Man. <laughs> Neon White is easily my front runner for Game of the Year. Like, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's not hard to see why. Uh, Neon White is basically Persona, but instead of an RPG where, like, high school kids battle demons in like turn-based battles uh it's a first-person shooter where you battle demons in platforming levels um so like at the beginning of the game you start off as a like recently deceased assassin named white with amnesia waking up in heaven uh this game has a story surprisingly uh, you've been chosen by God along with other assassins to hunt and get rid of demons who have started invading heaven. And these demon hunters are called neons, so that's where the uh, that's where the title of the game comes out, right? You're you're, ah, you're an assassin yes. white, and you're, you're a neon. You are neon white. So you are neon exactly. white. Yes, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> uh, the neon who racks up the most kills will earn their stay in heaven permanently. And like so you'll uh you'll meet up with some other neons and off to the races you go. And by like I do mean races to a degree, which I'll get to. Like vroom vroom race is not uh the 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 other type of race. Um <laughs> good, good good clarification. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh like I said, instead of being put into a dungeon where like you fight demons a la persona you're plunked into levels that act as a sort of one-way track of sorts. Uh, you know, your, your standard level. It's quite simple. You just have to get from point A to B. Um, along the way of this track, this level, uh, there will be demons. And you have to clear all the demons. You have to defeat all the demons in the level so that you can actually cross the finish line. 
Um, but instead of using swords or your standard RPG weapons to defeat these enemies, you're using guns that you pick up around the levels that uh, appear to you in the form of cards. So let's say you are just uh, traversing a level, you'll find a pistol card that you pick up and you'll be shooting that pist- that card at the firing rate of a pistol. Or you'll pick up what seems like a repeater rifle um, and you'll be shooting at the firing rate of a repeater rifle. Uh, where sort of the platforming traversal comes into play is each card has a secondary ability that triggers when you discard the card. So there will be a button mapped where instead of uh, shooting that card or that weapon, you will discard that card slash weapon and it'll trigger an ability. So, for example, the pistol card, when, you know, it shoots like a regular pistol, right? It's kind of slow, kind of dull, but when you discard it, it grants you a double jump. Uh, When you discard the repeater, you'll dash forward a great distance. When you pick up a card that sort of acts like an Uzi, uh, when you discard it, it'll actually let you do sort of like a ground pound, right? Um, So you're mixing, you're combining the traits of these cards. They're, They're firing, their firing rates, and their abilities to traverse the levels. It makes every level a sort of puzzle that you kind of have to figure out. And they start off really simple, right? So there will be an enemy that will be far off in the distance. And you'll pick up a pistol card. And so there will be this giant gap that you just can't traverse with just your regular jump. So so maybe to get across, you'll have to shoot them. And then you discard that ability, that pistol ability. And get that double jump so they can cross you know, this what this chasm, what have you. Um, like I said, it's sort of a puzzle that you have to figure out. Um, once you finish a level, you'll get graded on how fast you completed that level uh, from, like, a bronze medal to silver to gold to platinum level. To continue the story of you trying to... trying to gain favor of God and become a permanent resident of heaven, you have to at least get a gold level. But... Each level takes no more than 45 seconds. There are some levels that take less than 10 seconds to complete. So, you know, you can wow. go back over and over again to get a faster time. And, man, will you want to do that level over and over again to get a faster time. Because I don't know what kind of crack cocaine they put into this game. But you <laughs> constantly want to improve your personal best time. There have been levels that I have spent at least 30 minutes to one hour just trying to shave off milliseconds off my personal best. It's so addicting. You just get this rush, this adrenaline to get a better time. Um, and aside from like chasing a better personal time, once you complete a level, once you complete a level, you're not done essentially with that level. There, there are things that the developers did where not, they, will act, they will activate a collectible gift in the level that once you can that once you collect you can give to some of the side characters in the game and that's where some of the persona influence comes in where you have this sort of rank with the supporting characters the supporting neons that once you give them a gift you get an additional piece of dialogue that gives you some more lore some more history into the characters um some more you know just some more information that will 
will have you thinking about the story. But not only that, um, some characters will give you uh, like some extra bonus levels that have their own set of rules. So there will be this one character where you can only use a gun card's discard ability. You can't use their main firing mode, but you can only just use their, you know, their discard ability. There are some levels where you can't discard a card at all, so you will only have to rely on their main firing mode. It's it's so creative. It's so fun. The story itself is kind of, I wouldn't say it's generic, but it will seem very familiar if you are an anime fan, the way that I am. Like Stephen Blum, who is the voice of Spike from Cowboy Bebop, one of the most familiar voices in anime, is the main character in this game. You kind of know what you're getting. And Jason, I know you're not a fan of anime. You can easily just skip the dialogue by by holding the press of a button. And you're still going to get not necessarily a complete package, but the core gameplay is so much fun that this, this gameplay didn't have to be wrapped in, in a story for you, for this game to be a 10 out of 10, the way that I see it. It's the anime aspect is sort of just like the cherry on top. If you're an anime fan, um, because just the, the levels are so, are, are designed so well that, like when you're completing a level, you you feel like a speedrunning beast. Um, the visual style, even if you're not an anime fan, like they, it's this sort of uh, this minimalistic take on level design. That when you do see a splash of color, it just it looks fantastic. And oh my god, the music is so so good. Just this, it's this entire blend. It just makes you keep coming back to a perfect run. I I cannot get enough of this game. It's even if you're not into it's you know it's half visual novel, half speedrunner. And even if you're not into the speedrunner aspect of it, not uh, apologies. Even if you're not into the visual novel aspect of it, the speedrunner part will will have you like itching to get more. I cannot get enough of this game. I'm so glad I bought into the hype because I just can't wait to to play more and to keep perfecting scores. There's, Oh, it's, it's so much fun. I cannot get enough of this game. Truly. What what sounds so interesting about it to me is like, you're saying, Oh, it's like a puzzle. I have to tell the puzzle, but then you're saying, you know, levels are like 10 seconds long. So really you're like, it's like solving puzzles, but also like a reflex challenge at the same time. Like, I mean, I guess it's a trial and error type of thing, but like, that's a unique, like when you think of a puzzle platformer, they're very slow. Usually this seems like, a very different take on that concept. Yeah, like I said, cool. levels do not take more than 30 to 45 seconds long. Like There yeah. are levels that, yeah. that if you not only... So like I mentioned, there are... You get this bronze medal, silver medal, gold medal, platinum level. You can also beat the developers' times. Like there are some developers that... Or there are some levels where I have beat the developers' time. And those times... It's only by like a couple milliseconds there's a developer time that i beat where the developer time to beat a level was six seconds 6.5 seconds right and i beat it by like 0.2 milliseconds and you're constantly chasing that high that that idea that like yes i'm i'm doing way better not only that but like when you finish a level once you platinum a level 
you have access to the global leaderboards, which is kind of like gatekeeping in a way, but not that much. But you get access to the global leaderboards and you're seeing your time stacked up against all these other players. Mm. And once you, let's say even, even if you shave off two milliseconds off your time, the game will actually show you how much farther up in the leaderboard you've gone up. And, you know, seeing that, that even shaving off one millisecond puts you up above 2,000 other players, it feels good. It's That must be the crack cocaine that they put in this game. Because it's, I don't know, it's something that I've never felt in a video game before. And it's so weird it's... because I was, I remember this game getting announced at the Game Awards either last year or this past year. And thinking right, none right. of like nothing of this game. And then the reviews came out and they're like, this game is the real deal. And finally playing it, I'm like, yeah, even, you know, like I said, I'm an anime fan. So the story, yeah, you know, take it or leave it. Jason, you're not an anime fan. You could absolutely leave the story. You're still getting a hell of a game out of it. Right, right. And it, it kind of reminded me in the footage like the first person perspective had kind of speed running but platform it reminded me of a game we talked about on the show years ago in the early days of switch a uh, cluster truck i think it was called which oh, was an endless yes. runner yeah, but it was the same of, like, yeah 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 absolutely yeah 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 so for those who don't know it's a you know endless runner but you were basically first person platforming from truck to truck making rapid kind of impulse twitch decisions about which truck to jump to because you know it, it was constantly evolving constantly changing trucks were doing different things you were flying through the air you were going over giant canyons, like, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it was very sort of twitchy. Like, you have to think on your feet really quick. And this seems like it's just kind of a curated version of the concept. Yeah, absolutely. Degree. And it's funny because... And I, I, I like Cluster played, Truck a lot. I played so. Cluster Truck. And the sort mm-hmm. of, like... I don't want to say the mechanics of that game, but more like the feeling of the character, like, sort of like the floatiness does match a little bit with Cluster yeah. Truck's floatiness to a degree. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so if I like Cluster Truck, there may be something oh, here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's Okay. Because, yeah, it it, to awesome. your point about, like, the hype and how it kind of came out of nowhere, like, I remember when it was announced, the big thing they were saying was, it's from the guy who did uh, Donut, Donut County. County. Yeah. No. Yeah, and I'm insane. like, that's a pivot. Okay, is this going to be good? Like, I don't know. Like, Donut County is such a different, like, vibe. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to make of this, but it sounds like he pulled it off. Yeah, it's... Props to Ben whatever his name was. Yeah, I forget his last name. but Ben. fantastic. <laughs> it's, oh, my God. I, I cannot get enough of this game. Like, is that a front runner for my game of the year? Honestly. Wow, yeah, I think I think we have to check it out based off what you're saying and the cluster truck comparison, but mostly based on what you're saying. Yeah, it sounds like really cool. Yeah, like I said, there's the, there's the whole like anime story aspect of it that you can just completely mm-hmm. skip over. It's and even then, like you know, I was cool with like Fire Emblem story, which is pretty anime and stuff. Like it just depends on the well, you know, you circumstance. You, I was, you know, like yeah. cats, but yeah, are I get what you mean. Yeah. in this game, so I don't know how. Uh, you're a you cat. Say cat? I have three cats. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's in my wheelhouse. So we got cats in charge of heaven, cluster truck like gameplay. Uh, yeah, I don't know what more I need. Switch exclusive, sort of. Switch and PC. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what more yeah, I need. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. It's on PC, so which means it's on, on Steam PC. Deck. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, yeah. For transparency's sake, I am playing this on the PC. The, the mouse and keyboards do seem like a better fit, but like, I don't know. You, you. Yeah, I've heard absolutely... the port. I've heard the Switch version runs smooth. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's not a very demanding, like, like visually demanding game. So, yeah, it kind of has like a, uh, uh, like, 
I want to say Dreamcast quality to it because that sounds like a disc, but it, it reminds me of that era of like oh, early yeah, PS2 yeah, Dreamcast and like, like I said, yeah. the, the visual style doesn't take it, doesn't detract at all. As a, as a matter of fact, its simplicity almost makes it look prettier in a sense. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This, this right, seems awesome. Right. This fantastic. Man, we're two for two, or like two, three for three, because Angel snuck in Shredder's Revenge, but we're three for three with games we've been playing this this episode. Um, so I think our final game is one that all of us have been playing, which is Fall Guys. Raise of hands, or I guess raise of voices. Which which of us have jumped back in hey, now that it's free to play on every platform? Okay, that's you. I know I have. Angel, you're you're. Well, we played Fall Guys together, so I know you've been playing Fall Guys again, right? So um. Yeah, uh, if you, if you guys don't mind, I maybe I start with at least my impressions because for me, you know, Mister Nintendo Console only over here, you know, Fall Guys. This was an entirely new experience. Um, I saw it from afar, but that was about it up until you know it came out a week ago on the twenty first or whatever. And again, for me, like Mister Nintendo, this is a very Nintendo esque experience, and I absolutely love it. Like it's fitting that we're all like finding these games that really resonate us here on our final episode because like Fall Guys for me, like I've been playing it as close to daily as possible since it came out. Um, and I've been having so much fun. Um, I just find it, I find it be a really cool experience. Like it, it really is the sum of its parts. Like those parts being, you know, relatively analogous with games that are at home on Nintendo platforms, which may be why it's resonating with me so much. Like obviously the comparison a lot of people make is to Mario Party, right? Um, you know, you have 60 little beans running around or really like, I think they're actually six foot tall beans, which is, Weird to think about, but you've got these beans, you know, 60 of them, uh, each. Yeah, it's like, that's just a mess with us. There's, there's no shot. But, but then they like brought it back up. Like they did that when it came out and it was like, what? They're tall? And then like before it came out on Switch and Xbox and stuff, they reminded everyone, by the way, they're tall. So either it's a really long game of a troll or there's some truth to it or as much truth as there could be to fictional bean people. But either way, yeah, like you've got these beans. They're each controlled by a real player. They're running around doing mini games. And for those who haven't tried Fall Guys or don't, somehow no uh you're competing in these battle royale styled series of sort of mario party trials if you will like some have you trying to run through obstacle courses as quickly as you can others have you needing to survive on a platform as long as you can others have you trying to like memorize shapes under you others then riff on those ideas so maybe there's a course that feels more like a mario kart track with more of a speed emphasis because there's a lot of boost pads or maybe some of the obstacle courses have warp pipes you need to take which I noticed share a very similar design with the transparent ones in uh, Mario 3D World. Uh, but yeah, it's like all that type of variety. And that's kind of the thing I really noticed, actually. You know, I was making the, the comparisons to Mario Kart and Mario 3D World. Um, Fall Guys has some clear inspirations. And like I said up in our intro of this episode, it wears all of them on its sleeve, I feel like. Like besides Mario Party, besides 3D platforming Mario's, besides even Mario Kart, like the way the stages are sort of self-contained floating areas in the sky is it's very Super Monkey Ball as is a lot of the games, just general geometry and, like, obstacle design, just kind of how it looks. The color schemes and music are very Splatoon. I mean, there's literally a track or two that sounds identical to Splatoon. And the whole experience is, like, the way I see it is it's just cherry-picking all these ideas from all these games that share this underlying principle that is also one that I think is what makes Fall Guys so much fun, and that's accessibility. I mean, the core of Fall Guys is really just four moves, right? It's That's it. You, you run... You jump, you grab, and you do a little slide dive thingy. And everything else about the game is just utilizing those four simple moves in all these different ways. Much like, you know, we see a Mario series game or some of its spin-offs do, where it's very simple mechanics that are just put through different trials and tribulations, but you're still doing the very simple mechanics. And, and I'll even go one step further, actually. Um, excluding Splatoon, 
I would say every game that Fall Guys appears to be drawing inspiration from is one where competitive multiplayer is not strictly dependent on someone else enacting their skills on your skills. Perhaps there's like an existing term to describe what I'm trying to say there, but um, what what I mean by that is if you boot up a traditional online game or even like a Fortnite or some sort of similar Battle Royale, your experience is to a large degree at the whim of the built-up experience, skill set, character leveling, whatever of the other players, right? Like, you know, pop into Fortnite, boom, you're shot in a couple minutes and that's it. Someone's better than you and they killed you or in Apex or whatever. Like, I know, you know, people love that aspect of gaming a lot, like to build up that skill set to fight back, um, you know, and more power to them. Like, I know, Kevin, you're in Apex Legends and that's one where you need to bulk up and understand the game's deeper systems to really get ahead. But, and that's totally cool. Don't get me wrong, it's super cool. But what I find fun about Fall Guys, and if you zoom out a little, you know, some of its inspirations like Mario Kart or super monkey balls multiplayer other franchises like that what do i what i find fun with all that is like yes you're competing and yes there are other players whose actions can impact you but it's a relatively level playing field no matter where you come in you aren't at the whim of someone else's skill like sure there's random elements that can work in your or their favor you know a, a blue shell in mario kart um enacting spike bombs or, or the fog and like monkey target within super monkey ball items being turned on in smash bros like those are all things where parts of the game can sway and in fall guys maybe it's it's similar like the bad luck of trying to land in the exact same physical space as someone else or bonking them off a pl- platform or whatever but for the most part you are playing online using only your skills and those uninterrupted are determining how well you do without the outside influence of others, so to speak. And, you know, this is not that wild of an idea for gaming. There's also sets of games that kind of can marry advanced skills with this feeling of being in control of your own, like, gameplay destiny. I think uh, Tetris 99 is a good example of that. It's one of my all-time favorite Switch games. Um, and I think it does a great job of sort of threading the needle between having skills that help you and just playing Tetris, you know, like, without one overly impacting the other. But I think Fall Guys, um, there's this slightly different sweet spot in the same mindset, uh, mindset, but it's, it is a sweet spot nonetheless. And Fall Guys does a really good job kind of staying in that lane. And I think truly it's a big factor of why I'm enjoying the game so much and returning day after day, even though I have yet to win a crown still. Um, just the fact that I can go in and I can do my thing and I can have fun and I can get far or not get far. And I don't feel like it's because someone's better than me per se. I feel like I have a, ch- I have that even shot and that, that makes it really fun for me. So that's kind of my take as a Fall Guy, uh, newbie. But as you two who have played it before, I am curious, like, what do you think of the new free to play system? You know, how you feel it runs on Switch? Like, what's kind of compared to other versions? Like, where, where are you guys kind of at now that Fall Guys is like back, so to speak? I mean, it should have been free to play from the beginning just because of how it is. I mean, right. yeah, I mean, I didn't regret paying 20 bucks for it. It was fun then. It's still fun now. Still love it. But I do definitely plan on playing it more now because I really want to get that Godzilla costume. But besides <laughs> that, um, yeah, there isn't really too much else that you didn't already cover. But yeah, I mean, I, I think... Well, you, the, you I, were I, complaining to me about the latency with the Switch jumping. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I feel like there isn't really too much like, to, like, cover that you haven't already, like, as far as just, like, the core game. Um, oh, sure, but, sure. But, I mean, like, as for me specifically, like, I actually was really looking forward to playing this game on the Switch, but I've been playing it mainly on PC, and I did get the chance to try it at Jason's house, and, oh, my God, 
is this thing incredibly delayed? Like, I thought, like, when I hit the jump button, it felt like it took, like, half a second for the game to react, if not more. And, at you know, at least it's consistent, so you can get used to it, and then it can become, like, a non-issue. It's, it's almost like a learned thing, like, oh, that, that's just how the game is kind of deal. Yeah, and there that's was how like, it is for me, because I have no point of reference. And, and, so and, I'm just like, and, oh, that's just how jumping works. But initially, it's like, you know, when you press the jump button, you expect something to jump right away so that you can dodge an obstacle. But because it's not like that on the Switch, or, you know, or maybe it's just the internet, I don't know. Like, it's kind of hard to say. It could be a Wi-Fi thing. Um, because, you know, I just, like, I'm playing, like, connected directly using the LAN cable on the computer. But... Yeah, I thought, like, maybe, like, maybe this is how it is on PC, and I'm just misremembering, but it's like, no, I'm not crazy, because when I went back home and played it on my computer, sure enough, the moment I press the jump button, instantly, the character jumps. So, I, I mean, it's, there's still some testing that can be done just to, like, compare, like, I mean, I do have, like, a LAN cable that connects to my Switch dock, so I, at some point, I do plan on trying that out just to see if it's still lagging like that. I don't know if you have your switch set up that way jason but i do not good sir so maybe that's the difference but oh boy yeah if you're gonna be bouncing between pc and switch you are not gonna have a good time if that is the case because dang like i mean for a game like that um especially you know if you want to consistently get first place you kind of need to be as reactive as possible especially like in games like hexagon where the platforms like disappear below you um, when you get to the end, you do have to do some pretty crazy maneuvers just to, like, stay alive as long as possible and to also steal, like, spots from your opponent. And I would not be able to do that with the current controls or the one of the stadium levels where you're pretty much going through speed boosts that make it go really fast around the track. Like, that part on the PC, I feel like I was able to kind of get through it without really, like, bumping into anything. And it's like, oh, cool, this feels nice. But when I tried that same level on the Switch, I was just crashing into everything. I don't even think I qualified. Like, it's literally that big of a jarring difference. And and to reemphasize, if you're only playing on Switch and you're used to, like, you learn the systems of the game on Switch and when to jump and all that, it can work. Because, like, I've done Hexagon and gotten second place on it. I've yet to win it, but I've gotten second place on it. I didn't feel like I was that major. I mean, I don't just, think that's If you're a... jumping back and forth, it gets wacky. No, I don't think that's a good excuse, only because I remember... I forgot what, what's the Call of Duty? Where were the only Call of Duties that the Switch got? It, uh, Switch doesn't have any. Wii U had Black oh, the Ops. Wii U, Wii U had Black Ops. I remember yeah. like one of the mechanics in the Wii U uh, uh, Call of Duties was uh, was lag shooting, where you have to, where you have to shoot ahead of where you think the enemy is going to be, be at. Like that doesn't make for a good first person shooter, only because like. Oh yeah, once you figure out the Wii U's uh, latency, yeah, it can make for a a compelling case. Like, oh yeah, yeah, that's like that's like, I feel like that's um, some copium right there. What's what's that? What's that Wayne Gretzky quote where it's like skate toward the puck's going, not where it is? But like you can't really do that in a video game where there's a bunch of shooting people all shooting yeah. at you. But I guess what I mean with this is because the um, and Android, I'd be curious if you disagree, as you have done both versions. And Kevin, if you tried it on Switch, I'd be curious too. But um. The level itself and your character itself all are kind of running at the same rate, same frame rate. So, like, knowing when to jump for a static thing or a, a, an ob, a obstacle that comes at you at the same rate or knowing when to jump at a certain time when you know how long the hexagons stay and then fall, like, that's all consistent. It's not like there's someone else that's 
breaking that mold, so to speak. Like in the shooting game where it's, you know, like Call of Duty or something, where like you're, you have to figure out where the other player's gonna go and hope that their latency is like your latency and you get there before them. Like, that's a little different because this one, it's the environment you're interacting with and that's sort of preset timing. At least in my mind. But I do, I do get what you're saying that it, it's, I feel because there's like a decent number of levels, especially when you have to interact with your opponent, like when you have to like steal their tails or when you're like trying to jump ahead. The of The tails one was tricky. Yeah, now that you mentioned, it, I've only done that one once, and that one was a little weird. So maybe that's latency. Yeah, and then play. and then there's also like a couple levels, especially in the I don't know how common they're gonna be, but in the Spartan challenges, there are levels where you have to pretty much grab and throw these like explosive delayed bombs, and they pretty much play a role like in almost like every level. And yeah, I think even with the lag, even if you're kind of, it's just going to make everything very tricky just because there is like hmm. an aiming and shooting aspect to the opponent. So yeah, you can play I haven't it, yet tried but... the Spartan stuff. So yeah, I might, I might be speaking a little prematurely about how easy it yeah. is to sort of so, sidestep this. So, so you can obviously still enjoy the game, but I think that if you're going to really dive into it, you, I mean, and that's the unfortunate thing. Like we can't confirm for sure if having a wired connection to the switch dock will alleviate that problem but oh my god that delay is huge i think that's what I'll say. I, I will say i was impressed until you guys raise these actual concerns i was impressed that like they found wacky weird but clever workarounds to make it so the switch seemed like it was going to be more competitive like there is this thing they do where it looks super jarring when you start it up for the first time all the other bean people animate at way fewer frames than you do it used to be like two frames now it's maybe 15 but they're a little choppy all of them when the game first launched they would literally float and not animate they fixed that so now it's not as bad but it's kind of like having all your opponents be like inside like spider-verse or something like that like that sort of like half frame thing and then you run smoothly so initially i was like oh what a clever way to like the switch has less power you know, they they have you running at 30 frames, have the environment running at 30 frames, and all these other guys, like, they're still moving where they need to move, they're just animating a little less. So it's, like, kind of a wacky, weird workaround, but it works. But if the latency thing is now actually becoming more of an issue than I originally thought, um, maybe there's more they need to do. And maybe they'll patch stuff to address it. I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I was very, like, what a cool workaround. And now I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't as much of a workaround as I thought, which is a little disappointing. So... But the game's great. <laughs> I really enjoy. I really enjoy. I mean, the it. Game's yeah, fantastic. like I, I can't I, believe I, I waited this long. I was playing yeah. some of the, like the. It's so funny how like rudimentary some of the early levels seem compared to some of the new stuff that they put in the game. It's insane because I remember being being a Fall Guys, a Fall Guys guy since day one, <laughs> and like the new levels yeah. are just like, just like just go beyond what the original levels were. It's it's. It's like funny to see, and also mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't know. It's just it's just interesting to see how how intricate some of the level design has become since the like launch of the game. Because I only sticked with fall, I only stuck with fall games up until like the second season, I believe, which was six months into the lifespan of the game. So it's 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 interesting and funny to see at the same time. And, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about, like, they have this very rudimentary system of, like, you just do, like, three or four things. But they – yeah, I, like, even – like, one thing I noticed when playing it is so they they shuffle 
the stages you experience every day, but kind of not really. Like you're more likely to get certain sets on certain days, which I imagine is so you keep wanting to play daily because the variety changes up. But um, yeah, even like within that, there's days I'm playing, so I'm like, oh yeah, this is pretty straightforward. And then there's other days where it's like crazy amount of like deep, like different layers to it. And then there's other days where it's like, oh, it's like a Christmas theme levels available today. So like I definitely even coming into the game late, uh, figuratively and literally, um you can kind of see how it's grown over time and can sort of appreciate like the ways they were able to find new ways to apply these very simple ideas and in, in more and in more elaborate, ridiculous scenarios. So props to them for continuing to find clever mechanisms to use these same four inputs for like it's, it's or same four actions for it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. I guess, um, yeah, unless you guys have anything else about Fall Guys, uh, that might bring us to our news. News. And really, yes, really one, the one main generator of news, the Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase, uh, which wasn't a mini at all, by the way. It was 25 minutes long. Uh, I'm curious to hear what you guys think, but I, I thought they found the right format for these partner showcases. It took them two years to get there, but like the mix of, you know, entirely new, new reveals was sort of like catching people up on third party news they may have missed, like, you know, No Man's Sky coming in October or that Disney Dreamland Valley Animal Crossing style game we talked about a few episodes ago. Like that seemed like a good formula there. Um, and within that, I also thought this one had really good pacing and like the cadence was really good in terms of, you know, how how quickly they got from one to the next and the variety of games that were shown. Like, that was really solid. What, but what did you guys make of this presentation overall? Um, I mean, there wasn't anything super crazy that made me go like, oh, man, I can't wait to buy that game. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff that made me go like, oh, I am really happy this got announced because I know a lot of people are excited about this. Like, the mm-hmm. reason that came to mind is, like, the, you know, the, the Mega Man collection. I thought that was a really cool thing to announce. Um... It almost made me kind of excited, even though I'm not. I know I'm not going to buy it, because I was never super into those games. But I do know a lot of people that are, so I thought that was neat. But yeah, yeah, it, it felt of, like it's kind of the vibe overall about this uh, direct. It's like, oh, that was neat. I'm surprised. Well, actually, before I start, I'm about to say, Kevin, what do you think of it? Oh, fantastic! This is this this <laughs> partnership mini was made for me, man. I thought it was... I, I'm right there with you. One of the best yeah. ones that they've had in a while, but only because the game spoke to me. Uh, Same. You know, I, there was... have been some uh, directs and some direct minis that haven't been for me. This was one that was tailor-made for me, I honestly believe. It was very... Like, for me, like, the whole... Like, they leaned a lot on, like, late 90s, early 2000s games and mascots and you know Bomberman, Pac-Man uh you know there's a lot of that sort of stuff I was like okay this is kind of my vibe uh but then yeah for you like there I I think like we could probably divide these games up into a few chunks um so there's like a whole chunk that I just like put in my notes I just combined them under the Kevin corner because there's like a whole thing where I'm like yeah, oh these baby. are Kevin games like yeah so we'll, we'll get to that in a sec um and we'll get to the mascot stuff I was talking about but the one game that kind of I feel like we should tackle first, uh, in part maybe because it had its own separate showcase the next day, is Mario and Rabbids, or sorry, Mario plus Rabbids, Spark of Hope, which Angel, it's your duty to buy, I think, because Bowser's now playable, and you're a Bowser fan. Are you gonna, are you gonna buy it? Are you gonna support Bowser? Not really gonna give him, give him a second chance, honestly. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's kind of, I forgot where that ended. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, but, cool. but 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 
he has a bazooka called the Bowzooka. Like they they got rid of Yoshi for Bowser. Yoshi and Rabbit Yoshi are like no longer a thing in this franchise. Now it's Bowser, and you're just gonna blow it off like that. Wow, wow. No, but uh, more. I'm a complex person. Fair, fair. But no, more more seriously. Like Mario Rabbit's like I feel like I feel like the game is just it just seems bigger. I mean, obviously you know Bowser's a physically bigger guy than Yoshi, but it just seems bigger in every way. Like it feels like they had much more freedom with the characters um which is fitting since in battle you now also have more freedom um the turn-based battles are no longer locked to a grid you have complete move you know total free movement as you go around which is kind of interesting um and i know elvis as in angel your brother was uh, a big fan of the first one and he played all the way through on i think my copy actually did you either of you ever play it or get into it at all the original i I watched my brother play it. I played a few of the challenge, the multiplayer challenges with him, but you know, it's just not. That's where it stopped. It's just not my type of game. It's just not for me. That's fair. That's fair. What about you, Ken? Because it's kind of XCOM esque. I do love watching the production values though and the animations. Like, I definitely got a kick out of. Oh yeah. The the opera boss or some of the later bosses, which I won't spoil because they're kind of a neat surprise. But yeah. All I would say about that. Yeah, it, it definitely like the cinematics and just the the graphics in general. It looks so like yeah, even the Donkey Kong DLC stuff was really cool. But you know, yeah, just, yeah, my cup of tea. Yeah, Kevin, is it more your cup of tea as an XCOM? Guy? It's funny because yeah, it's more my cup of tea. But I never actually got around to playing it because, like you said, oh, it's funny. got this XCOM vibe to it. it I mean, it basically is mm-hmm. XCOM, and I just never got around to yep. playing it. It's 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 on sale like all the time. Like there's a summer sale right now on the eShop where it's like fifteen dollars maybe. Right. So if you're curious, yeah, I just um, but yeah, never got around like, to playing it yeah. unfortunately, which right, is funny. Right. But but from what I hear, like the XCOM vibes are strong with it. Um, mm-hmm. maybe not as much as I want it to be though, or maybe mm. a little too less of what I'm expecting it to be. It does seem to be moving a little away from XCOM with like the open, like not grid. It's funny because now instead now. of um, XCOM base, it seems more like, and this is a sort of deep cut. It seems more like Eternal Sonata, which was a that is a deep cut. Yeah, it is more <laughs> a wow, man. Who published Eternal Sonata? I think it was Bandai Namco, maybe back in the day. I think it was. I think it was Namco before. Was it before they became or maybe Bandai it was Namco? Bandai. Or was it, it, was, it was one of those two, but. But basically, a company, the company is now Bandai Namco. I don't know who published it, but it was Bandai Namco. It was Bandai, yeah, they, and it was when they were Bandai Namco, and it was originally on 360 of all systems. Yes, exactly. It, it, was, it was 360 exclusive. Now it it seems to be, and to be fair, I never played uh, Eternal Sonata, I, the full game. I only played the demo. Which how did mm-hmm. I play that? I guess I, man, I don't even remember the fact that I had 360 back in the day. I mean, it did also come to PS3 at a later time. Okay, and then so I maybe think that's for re-release or something. Yeah, maybe so. that's how I played. But but yeah, yeah. It, the gameplay is more reminiscent of a of a uh, Eternal Sonata slash XCOM, which you know, Eternal Sonata. I only played the demo, but the, the you guys know how much of a nerd I am for art for for JRPGs <laughs> and JRPG. Of course combat, we do. So of course we do. You know, the combat seems fun. Um, right. So maybe I'll get around to playing this game. I'm not making any promises, but you know, XCOM. I I fell in love with XCOM Enemy Unknown, and I never got around to playing uh, Kingdom Battle. So 
who knows if I'll get to right. this one. Regardless, it, it the, does seem the gameplay like, does seem fun. Yeah, yeah, and it does seem like they're in general pulling from all sorts of as- like different parts of the industry now. Because I mean, one of the other big announcements they made was uh, the soundtrack, which they're bringing back Grant um, Kirk Thor- Thorpe, who did. Um, you know, Banjo Kazooie and Goldeneye and stuff and the original game, but they're also adding the composer of Ori and Halo Infinite, a guy named Garrett Coker, I think. And, uh, perhaps more notably for Nintendo fans, they're also adding music from composer Yoko Shimomura, who did Longside Kingdom Hearts, which interests you, I'm sure, Kevin. She also did a bunch of the Mario and Luigi music over that entire series. Um, and that fact actually kind of sent me on a bit of a weird train of thought right after the showcase that if you look at everything Ubisoft is doing with Mario and Rabbids, they're pulling from all over the industry, but it really feels like it's becoming the replacement of Mario and Luigi in a way. I mean, first of all, the series, the names of the two series are like identically structured, so you already got that going. But more seriously, like, you know, any Mario RPG that isn't called Paper Mario seems to be outsourced, right? And like Square Enix, you know, handled the original Mario RPG, Alpha Dream before it went bankrupt to care Mario and Luigi, and those games along with Paper Mario, have some thematic similarities. You know, obviously RPG turn-based battles and whatnot, but even in how they, like, toy with regular common characters like Goombas or Koopas or Boos or Yoshis, like, those RPGs have these one-off unique riffs on those characters. You know, I'm thinking, like, Goombella in Paper Mario or or Boshi or Boshi or however you want to pronounce it for Mario RPG. And the first Rabbids game, like, they kind of dabbled in that a little by making, like, the first they went was making, like, a rabid peach or a rabid Luigi, like one generic character just dressed up as another, basically. But Sparks of Hope, the thing that immediately jumped out to me is they have this new guy named Edge, who's sort of like an Edge Lord type big sword anime fighter dude that's a unique rabbit. He's like a, he's layered on top of a rabbit as an entire new character. And there are some other sky around in the trailer too, but right there, that, the entire thing is like, oh, we're entering like the Mario RPG like legacy here. Like it's, it's embracing that trope. And then if you couple that with a few other factors, um, it really does seem like it's kind of filling the, the void. Um, you know, enemy encounters now happen anywhere in the overworld, just like Mario RPGs. In the original Mario Rabbids, there's like pre-designated spots. Uh, you're no longer leveling up your party as a whole. Individual members can now gain experience, new levels, be customized. Uh, you know, never mind that the game's doubling down on humor and puns with like the bazooka and stuff. And they literally, like I was saying, grabbed the composer of Mario and Luigi's music to make games, or to make music for this game here. So, I don't know how intentional it is or not. I don't think Luis is sitting there like, oh, well, Mario and Luigi fell to the wayside. Let's step right in. But I feel, in a way, that like Mario plus Rabbids is kind of becoming the next Mario RPG series. Uh, you know, it has the trappings, it has the proven success uh, with the first game. It fitting the release calendar for when they like Nintendo might want to do it. Like, I, I think Nintendo may start looking at Mario and Rabbids as kind of like, well, we need a Mario RPG. Here's one right here. And that leads to the second thought I had, which is Mario and Rabbids is dated for October 20th. Um, that's a prime time when Nintendo would often release one or one of their own traditional October games, of which there are usually two. So in light of no direct in June, uh, but giving us Mario and Rabbids news in that same window, I can't help but kind of think that Nintendo might actually sort of quote-unquote count Mario and Rabbids as one of their big fall holiday releases. Like, it is Mario after all. And that, in of itself, that pairs pretty well with some other stuff going on this holiday. There's a recent claim by Jeff Grubb, previously a Venture Beat, now Giant Bomb. Yeah, uh, That this long... Yeah, yeah, you know Jeff Grubb. The, the summer game mess guy. 
But uh, he, who is reliable, he says that the long-rumored Metroid Prime remaster for Switch is actually coming out this holiday for the game's 20th anniversary. And to be fair, we have heard this rumor about the supposed remaster almost every year or two. You know, Nintendo's supposedly been sitting on it for uh, which a while. Which, to me, makes this as pointless as any other. No. But he's no, reliable. No, no. Jeff Grubb he's reliable. Is, is one of the guys that he's you legit. want to listen to. It's not just some random guy yeah. online. Jeff Grubb is a go-to guy almost as much as and, Jason Schreier. I would suggest even more than Jason Schreier. I feel like, well, yeah, Jason I feel Schreier like is more of a journalist, not a leaker. Of... The, the same way that mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Grubb is. Jason Schreier is really good at telling about industry situations or issues or circumstances, what's going on in the studio, and, and Grubb's really good at just being like, by the way, this game's coming out in a month. And you're like, well, Angel, this, is, like, this is much more different than, uh, what was the, the, uh, what was the, the company that did the Switch Pro stuff? Bloomberg. 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 Yeah, this is much different from the Bloomberg stuff. This is basically as good as... So, I mean, the thing is, this has been rumored for a number of years, and the rumor always was Nintendo had it in waiting until they need until they found the right moment, and then they are also working on remasters of 2 and 3 to be done sometime thereafter. And Grubb I mean, basically I, like, yeah, I, this I, is I, the year. This is when it's happening, and they are doing those other two. And they're all going to have dual analog controls. They're all going to have motion controls. They're coming. I think it's not the... To me, it's not like how credible this person is. It's just that because this kind of rumor has been said every single year, like it, it just like, like yeah, just can we just wait for it to be announced at this point? Like, who cares? Yeah, like, no, that's fair. I think sure, I think but I, I think, I, but I would like, say this, like, this like, guy's like, credibility I, is more than uh, what we've seen like, from before. Like, I, like, I, like, I'm just like generally like just like kind of done hearing about like Met- specifically Metroid Prime remasters or like Switch Pro thing because like. Yeah, it's just kind of been like burned to death of the ground. Like, it'll just come out when it comes out. If it comes out this year, right? Cool. If it doesn't, cool. It will just come out eventually, or maybe not. But yeah, I, I think mean, where I, mean, I, I, I was, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to these games as much as the next person because I do want. I don't want to plug in my GameCube game to play this, and I think I might actually have them <laughs> on the Wii U. But I don't want to plug in the Wii U. And again, the this. GameCube one can't do motion control with gyro and doesn't have dual analog support but grub here says this will so it's slightly a different way to play too but, but um yeah yeah the reason i sort of brought it up is like besides like i mean one it kind of makes sense this year you know typically october sees two games from nintendo metroid dread did well last october so why not give the other spot this year to metroid again sure that's possible and then going to the holidays you know nintendo then has they don't have Zelda, we know that, but they have three of their biggest franchises, Mario, Metroid, and Pokemon, because Scar and Violet comes out on November 18th. Like, those are all represented in one holiday. That's pretty solid. And then in December, they can always release, like, Bayonetta 3 during that first week of the month they like to use. Uh, it doesn't need a Black Friday timed release in the same way as the other games, because it's not as family-friendly. You know, people might buy it with gift cards after Christmas, opposed to having their parents pick it up for them type of thing. Um, so should all that play out that way, the reason I think this is so interesting is if Mario Rabbids is a Nintendo, like, part of the Nintendo lineup as a Mario representative in October, and Metroid comes true, and Bayonetta's in December, and all that pans out, it does actually explain the lack of a June Direct. What would they be telling us in a June Direct? We know 99% of the news already. The only piece of the lineup would have been Metroid Prime Remastered, which doesn't need to be told about in June. We all are familiar with the game. They could tell us in September, hey, we're remastering a thing. It's out in 45, 90 days, whatever, 60 days, what have you. And that's fine. Like, there's no, like, longer lead time they need for a remaster. So that actually, in a weird backwards way, it's all just a theory. But if Mario Rabbids is... 
you know, kind of filling part of Nintendo's lineup in, and the Metroid thing is basically as good confirmed, I kind of see why they didn't do a June Direct, even if you ignore the fact that maybe it's a reset for them and stuff. Like, it makes sense that the only new thing they have the rest of the year is Metroid Prime Remastered. So that's kind of where that was coming in. But either way, like, Mario Rabbids itself does look quite good, and it this potential role it plays as part of, like, the core key... Like first party lineup is it is interesting, I think. Well we'll see where it goes. Um but yeah, that that's why that was kind of introduced to the conversation, Angel. And also like I feel like we've never actually name dropped Jeff Grubb and he deserves a shout out because he, he is a he knows his stuff, as as Kevin was saying. Uh but while we're on the topic what, what was that? No, I had I just said part of the problem, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> but while we're um on the topic, I guess, of marquee characters and franchises uh, you know, I mentioned there's like a couple buckets the news falls into. So I thought it was interesting just how many mascots popped up in this showcase. I mean, it was straight up like a Smash Bros. reunion between Mario, Sonic, Pac-Man, you already mentioned Mega Man, Angel, uh, Bomberman. Anything on this list jump out at you as like, I want to play one of these. Wait, didn't, didn't I already just say... Mega Man? That was like, the you? only one. You, well, well, you said you. Well, well, well you said yeah, you're happy for people, but I was curious if like Pac Man or Bomberman oh, sequel no. like oh, are no. catching your eye. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess I, I guess sort of said that like none of the games on the on the direct made me go like I can't wait to play this. The only one that made me mm, I only got right, like right, oh right. I'm happy for these announcements, but yeah, there was nothing on here for me. Kevin, but it was cool. you, you hold on, mother. You were telling me that you didn't see <laughs> Persona didn't make you think. Hell yeah, I'm up for this. I technically didn't say that one just now. If he was only limiting himself to the names I said, to give him an out. Okay. <laughs> well, now I'm giving um, him this. I mean, I guess, yeah. So just push on that. But I mean, I'm I mean, very I glad re- that this is the, the last episode. Kevin's I mean, gonna rage quit a show that's already ending over this. <laughs> because, I mean, if I play the game, I'm not going to play it on Switch. I was already planning on playing it, like, on PS5 or PS4. What, Persona? Persona 5? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, I honestly think that Persona 5 is better in, is better on the Switch. Really? Well, let, let's get into that, actually. Kevin, Before I was going to do the mascot games first, but let's do the Kevin corner. Because Persona and I feel like Nier Automata were, like, your games, right? So... To be fair... I've I have tried to replay Neurotomata like five times by now, on PC. To be fair, on PC, um, and have just not gotten into it since. But you know, maybe maybe having it portable in my hands might change things. Yeah, so let, let's let's touch on that real quick for those let's who don't know the what Kevin they're corner. doing. So near, yeah, what the the Kevin Corner spelled with the K. More comments, Simon. Yes, yes, this is the Kevin Corner. Correct, correct. These games are your games. But yeah, let's start with Neurotama real quick. We're, we'll circle back to mascots. Um, so this new port, right, it's, it's, it is basically the same game. It's dubbed End of Yorha Edition. Of it comes with not just all the, yeah, and it comes with not just all the DLC, has some exclusive costumes too. Um, apparently it's running natively on the Switch at 30 frames per second, <laughs> which is interesting because Square Enix, couldn't make that happen with, with PS2 Kingdom Hearts with games. Kingdom Hearts with yep with P <laughs> with PS2 Kingdom Hearts games. Couldn't make it happen. And yet here we are with Nier, like just fully running on Which Switch. Is a so PS4 I don't really know how game, mind you. <laughs> yeah, so I don't really know how that came to be. But 
Um, do you think, Kevin, like, honestly, like, is it just a matter of you need just a different way to play it? Like, if you could, like, curl up with an embed or something versus sitting on a computer playing it, like, is that maybe going to get you revisited, or are you just over it at this point? Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. Like, Nier Automata, even on PC, has never been a looker of a game. Um, so the fact that they're able to do that on Switch is fantastic. Uh, and to so be what, fair, what's the hook here? What? Why do people love this game? Why do you love this game? Like, what's the? I know I'm gonna. Why do I? Ignor- I'm gonna plead ignorance here. What is it about Nierotama that's so cool? Like, why is this a big deal? <sighs> I'm gonna level with you here. I have never. I I have never gotten more than than three hours into Nierotama. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> so, what do you love conceptually about Nierotama as a as a as a it, idea? It is a platinum <laughs> game with platinum combat and. Platinum games have always had solid combat. Uh, Angel can testify with uh, Transformers Devastation. I can testify yeah, with yeah. Astral Chain that as well, awesome. for what it's worth. Yep, with yeah. Astral Chain, exactly. Um, and yep. And Bayonetta, yep, of course. Exactly. Yeah. Depending on what on what uh, team that you get with uh, with uh, Platinum, and Nier Automata got the, the A-plus team. So, yeah. I mean, that's... Right, that's right. The- I can really say about that. Yeah, the shame I can't say the same thing about the Ninja Turtle Platinum game because that was definitely not the A plus team. <laughs> yep, exactly. So yeah. Nier Automata gets yeah. the A plus plus team because that is a you know a major franchise team. Um, and from what I from the three hours that I played on PC, what have you, combat's very very solid. I just you know now having it in handheld mode, it seems like it is a very doable option. If Nintendo were smart in how they co-market this thing, there are over a million copies of Astral Chain out there. And I don't know, I didn't even know, and I stay on top of this stuff, that like near Atama and Astral Chain are the same development house. Like there's an opportunity there. They're not going to make an Astral Chain sequel, but they could definitely sell this to those people. Like I'm surprised, or I'd be surprised if they don't do some sort of targeting of that audience. I don't know how they would necessarily do that, but it does seem like it makes sense based on what you're saying. And now that explains why it's coming to Switch specifically too, so that, that all checks out. Um, but yeah, so that was number one, which I guess is less... <laughs> less. It's up your alley, but not as deeply vested in your life. But Persona, you brought it up, Kevin. Persona on Switch. Why do you think Persona 5 Royals on Switch is going to be like the best way to play it? Because you were just saying that, right? Persona, so Persona, oh man, do do I really want to get into this? Persona, yes, you do. It's the final chance. <laughs> so, yeah, true. It's the final episode. Um, why is it the best on Switch? So, the way that the game mechanically, the way that it's set up, where like you are a a high school uh, student going day by day in your regular life. A day in Persona doesn't take more than, like, I don't know, 10 minutes. And so being able to spend 10 minutes uh, as a as a teenager going to school is, you know, it, in the Switches, I'm sorry, I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I get what you're saying. It has the pick-up-and-play capabilities that... Uh, for, like, that, yeah, for, like, 15 uh, minutes? Know, some deeper RPGs yeah, don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Now, is that is that true, would you say, because they're also bringing four Golden and three Portable over, just like Xbox is getting? Yeah. Which, by the way, how weird that they announced these three weeks apart and they act in both presentations like this is this crazy exclusive blowout they're now gang, but each other are doing it. Like, like it totally took the sting out of the finale of the partner showcase, I feel like, because it's like, hey, remember what Xbox did? Same. We're gonna, yeah, but, exactly. Um, We're going to do the, that exact same thing. Yeah. The, the yeah. Like, yeah. Conversation where it's like, huh, it's kind of weird that Switch is excluded from this. They're like, oh, that's because they were saving. Because Nintendo like made it their finale too, um, almost a month later. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was strange. But, um, no, but the question I was getting to before that is, does that portability advantage hold true with like four gold? I mean, three portable, it's in the name, but is four gold in this pickup and play? Like, is this, a boon for all the games, or is it just Persona Five that really plays into the? Switches, no, it, it, like, it's it's absolutely a boon for for all the games in in this uh in these releases. Um, I don't know. It, they're very much uh you can you can spend like ten minutes on this in you can spend ten minutes with this game. You can spend an hour in this game. You're still going to mm-hmm. be progressing a whole lot in these uh, RPGs. Right. Yeah. Right. So that, okay. so that's well, that, why that's that why the portability why... that's why the portability is is very cru- not crucial to this game but like it works in the favor of this game. Yeah. Yeah. And that explains maybe why Nintendo still is like we're going to end with the big bang of Persona even though it's on the other guys we have like the way to play it. Like that that maybe explains. Like maybe it wasn't cross company like marketing coordinators getting their wires crossed about who's getting the big blowout but like maybe it was Nintendo sees it as still being a, a switch sure. advantage to have it like that i don't know uh there was side note little side note about persona before we go back to the direct mini um there was news the other day ign exclusively reported that sega is actively exploring turning atlas properties including persona into movies or tv shows would you be into that i mean you're you're the persona guy Hell like, is that no something i don't know see? whose idea is it to make persona <laughs> into a live action series that person deserves well, they to never get said fired. live action to be fair they just said movie or TV series. They just mean an adaptation. It could be anime. I don't know. I don't think they specified a format. No. They just no. said... I'm sorry. Whoever whoever thought of that, jail. <laughs> to jail right now. Jail. <laughs> what, what is the crime they're being charged with? Just, just to be Bad sure ideas. Here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's a legit thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what, what is, is your concern just they're gonna, like, the live-action Netflix no, anime uh, adaptation? No. A live-action or... Persona series? No. Get out of here with that. There's no shot that you make that into a successful full series. No shot. In... I, I'm still not 100% sure they said it would be live-action. I think they just said they're exploring all the toss. Are you sure? Off. So if it was... Maybe I'm wrong. Let's say it's not live-action anime. They, they're... More into it? They've already done a Persona anime. Then it probably is live action then. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yep, or, or yeah, they that, just that. want to make it. Into, no, Persona only works as an RPG in my mind. Like, there's well, they're only in the exploratory phase, so maybe it will never materialize. <laughs> maybe your sake, I mean, your sanity. I don't know. Babe, was Sega involved in this uh, NFT business, or was that just? Uh, I think they've sidestepped it for now. Sega Sammy's talked about it, like their parent company, but not in any like, oh, concrete terms. Of course, terms. Sega NFTs Sammy's are tanking. Fucking... So yeah, I mean, Sega Sammy's about literally gambling. Most of their business is gambling. So yeah, they're gonna look at ways to take money from people, no matter what it is. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, anyway, um, so that was the Kevin Corner, I guess. Kevin um, Corner with the K. But to circle, Kevin Corner with the K. Uh, but to circle back to the mascot stuff, um, I wanted to say one game I was actually quite excited for that they announced is um, Pac-Man World Repack. 
I mean, I don't quite get the name. Repack, like, repackaged I guess repackaged. Yeah, it's either like repackaged or it's a poorly thought out pun of remastered or remake or something like that. But like, at that point, why not just do like Pac-Man World Return of the Pack or something like that? Or, like, or come just on, repacked, right? Repacked. Even the ED or an apostrophe D would have made a difference. It's just repack. Like, it's not like you're calling something like, you don't call it, you know, Metroid Prime Remaster. It's Metroid Prime Remastered, past tense. So yeah, Kevin, I think you're on something. Just throw an apostrophe D on there and it's a great name. But that aside, um, the reason I'm excited for it, I don't know if I ever told you guys on the podcast or in life how much I liked Pac-Man World 2 on the GameCube, but it was one of those games I rented a ton and never actually bought. But man, like on, on paper, a platformer starring Pac-Man sounds like it would be ho-hum, but I just had a ton of fun with the game. I even got to the final boss, which is like a rarity for me over multiple rentals and stuff. But yeah, the gameplay itself, like honestly... Pretty straightforward platforming fair. You know, you get new abilities added for each world you explore. Like in Pac-Man World 2, there's like ice skating and stuff. But they broke up the levels a bit with little sections where you actually do kind of like collect pellets and dodge ghosts in a grid-like fashion. So there's like little nods to classic Pac-Man in there. But what's exciting about Repack or Return of the Pack, as I'll call it, uh, for me is that I only ever played Pac-Man World 2. The original world was a PS1 exclusive. I never got to experience the game. The N64 had something like Miss Pac-Man Maze Madness, which was not the same thing. It was just like a tilted 3D perspective on like Pac-Man mazes. Um, but like Pac-Man World 1 never made it on Nintendo platforms. So I can only assume it was of equal quality to the sequel that I did get to play. And given how much I liked the sequel, having the original now come to Switch and have it be only 30 bucks, like that's a very enticing proposition to me. Um, I mean, I actually already pre-ordered the game, which were third-party release... I don't usually pre-order them that far out, let alone at all. So the fact that like day and date with its announcement, I was already pre-ordering it. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm very excited for that come late August. I'm also kind of, I was more, I guess, surprised next side, but I think, you know, I did not expect to see Super Bomberman R2 to show up at the presentation. Yeah, that one was, Never, was a funny one. Right. Yeah, never mind that, like, they're like, hey, we're going to focus on 2022 games now. Check out this 2023 release, Bomberman. But, um, yeah, the thing that struck me as weird about it was not because, like, Bomberman R doesn't deserve a sequel. I thought it was a solid launch title on Switch. But uh, more so because it kind of just got a sort of sequel. Bomberman R Online, you know, that free-to-play game as service thing that Konami just tried and then just announced three weeks ago they, that they're shutting down in December. And, and and here's my thinking here. Um, obviously, I prefer a fully featured game that you can get in one go, you know, one purchase, which R2 looks to be. It has that new castle mode they showed in the Direct, which is pretty cool. It's like you're fighting asymmetric battles, 15 on one. There's one person defending by laying traps around the map, and then there's the other 15 trying to play offense and blow everything up. That could be super fun. And it has a full level editor, plus it includes... Funny enough, the exact Battle 64 mode that was in R Online and is now being shut down until R2 comes out. But my concern is if a free Bomberman can't seem to generate enough of a player base to sustain its sustain itself, will a fully-fledged sequel that costs a fully-fledged MSRP be able to? Like, I, le- I legitimately don't know the demographic breakdown of stuff like this, so it's an honest, not rhetorical question, but um, I'm just thinking, like, how many games have growing player bases at once right now, and to what amount do they then have success? Like, if you look at something like 
Farm and R, like we're talking about. That didn't last 18 months. It's being shut down. And then there's just announced that, if you guys remember Spellbreak, um, it, which was a free-to-play on Switch, it was like Fortnite but with magic. Uh, that was around for four years, but they just announced that's being shut down too due to player base size. So if you're like buying R2, what do all these cool new modes look like in an online sense six months, 12 months later? It's a question I feel like we've been asking throughout 2022 on the show, but like that's kind of where my head goes with this stuff now. It's like as cool as a lot of the game seems and as cool as it could be for local multiplayer, like if we collectively you know, went to your sister's house, Angel. Like, we, I think that's where we used to play the original Barman R, like, collectively, like, a group of us there. Like, if we did that, great. But that's not always the accessible way to play Barman. Like, if you want to go online, is there something, if you're paying 50 bucks for it or whatever, are you guaranteed a few months from now, you're, you know, a few months after release, it's still going to be there to play online? Like, it's just kind of a weird thing with online games now. So I, I'd be very curious to see how R2 fares longer, longer term. But um, but yeah, yeah. On, on paper it sounds great. I mean, I think the <laughs> the biggest question that everyone should have on their mind is: Will they fix the spine for the sequel, or are they going to be consistent and keep the sp- it? Oh That's a good god! Point. I didn't yeah. even think of that. Yeah, talk about taking it back to some other conversations on the podcast. That was our first, I think, quarantine chronicle episode where we talked about how Bomberman and a few other games just ruin game libraries when you put them on a shelf, right? Like that was. Yeah, that spine is the worst. The only game on Switch that I'm aware of that doesn't use plain text but actually puts its logo on the spine. Those what, a, what a disaster. Yeah. What a disaster. You know, I was saying that like Barman sounds great on paper, but then, you know, who knows what will actually be. On the flip side, I was kind of... I'm not saying I'm into Sonic Frontiers, but everything we saw early on looked not great, and then Nintendo in the Direct was kind of like... There's these cyberspace stages, which are basically like more, you know, traditional 3D Sonic run around, do quick twitchy reflex stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm not necessarily for Frontiers, but that, you know, Sega really didn't lead with a best foot forward there. That looks potentially like it has promise. I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? I wasn't really turned off by anything that was shown for Sonic Frontier up to this point. So... Like, the only thing that was kind of, like, a, I guess a sticking point, if anything, was just, like, the visual mishmash of Sonic and the environment. But right. otherwise, like, you know, I was already, like, in for the ride. Like, I was already looking forward to playing it. And, yeah, the tradition of these, like, cyberspace levels, like, definitely makes it feel like, oh, this is, looks really cool. Like, some, like those two levels shown, you know, you obviously get your... There's there's green zone again in some way shape or form because you're always gonna mm-hmm. get that now. That's mm-hmm. like the, that's their Street Fighter two, but um, but yeah, this other level that they showed just looked really nutty, and yeah, I'm just really looking forward to checking more out of this game, or just whenever it comes out. But yeah, I was already on board. Just keep me keep, keep my seat warm, basically. Yeah, apparently to your point about like they always have like a green zone stuff, like a uh, green hill zone and stuff. Um. Apparently, this is not a single open-world game, as we have all been told and thought. They're trying to make the argument that the area that they were showing all Don't. June was I, actually... I know where you're going with this. The world map open zone shenanigan thing? It's it's not claiming. an open-world game. It's an open zone game. Open Get out of here. Game. You know exactly what we mean by <laughs> this is an open-world well, game. You, you know what drove me crazy about that? So the article I was reading... um where they were saying this was quoting the producer as trying to draw a parallel to Mario 3's overworld. 
Which, like, no. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, he's like, oh, well, it's this open space. It's this open zone. And you use it to access these cyberspace areas. And you use it to access these puzzle rooms and stuff like that. And I'm saying, like, that's not Mario 3. That's literally Breath of the Wild. You're in an open area, big open world. And then, you know, you enter the different shrines and do puzzles. How is this different? Um, but I did see there's a reference. That apparently, there are multiple ones of these open zones. It's not just one. There, I don't, I couldn't find it again, but I saw a reference where there's gonna be different ones with different themes and stuff. So it almost seems like they just presented it so poorly. But it almost seems like they maybe are just blowing out like the idea of like Mario Odyssey kingdoms or something into like even bigger than that. But I don't know. I think I think the underlying issue goes back to what we were saying when we last talked about the game, which is there's just a messaging issue here, like. Sega is leading with like the the worst foot forward and then trying to backpedal and even in the direct like that looked more promising than anything we saw the entire month prior like how how are they botching this so much but I guess we'll see you know if it's open zone or open world or Mario 3 somehow but yeah the the cyberspace to me actually looked kind of promising so time will tell um, but yeah, were there any other games you guys wanted to shout out or mention from the uh, partner showcase? I got two little ones, the the indie ones. But was there anything you already um, called out? Battle Network. Yeah, I mean, kind of on the same lines of Battle Network. Like, I was just happy to see Portal and Portal Two on Switch. Mm, shadow Drop at that. Like, I already beat them, mul- beat both of them multiple times, so I'm not exactly like looking to play them again. But I am happy that they're just more accessible because they're really awesome. And Portal Two, especially, like single player campaign just kind of keeps going and going and it just gets better and better i don't know i, I love that game and the co-op as well which is also very very beefy so oh yeah the the co-op in portal 2 is amazing it, it it's way better than it has any right to be <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it yeah <laughs> it also by the way fully supports online on switch and from what i was seeing on twitter people are saying it runs incredibly well on switch i mean which i mean it's not a, exactly there's, there's, intense game but it's a solid port, is what I mean. <laughs> the way I see it, that game is not very graphically demanding, so yeah, it's gonna run. It yeah. should it should run good on Switch. Right, right. Um, Kevin, were there any games from the showcase you wanted to shout out that we haven't mentioned? I know we did your corner with a K, but um, with the amount of uh, alcohol I have in me, I can't really remember <laughs> that many. Um, Fair. I don't know. It was a it was a solid direct mini. Yeah, very very it solid. Was. Direct mini. Um, I completely agree. And I think before we fully wrap, there are like I said, two that I wanted to just literally just shout out, like very briefly. Um, there's not much to say or speculate on because they're both original properties, but it feels like they deserve a mention at least. So one was uh Blanc, which is that black and white game in which a deer and a dog basically set out on a journey together, which you can play in co-op online or local. Uh, um, it's a wolf. apparently. Uh, is it a it wolf? Is. You're right, it's a wolf. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a wolf. wolf. Which is, you know, similar in the genus of dog or whatever. So, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's interesting because the entire game is this like black and white art style. Apparently the story's told entirely without text. It's all going to be through your interactions with each other in the world. Um, it reminded me kind of of like Unravel or what I've heard about It Takes Two, which is like you have, you each have like kind of different things you have to do together and you have to coordinate. So depending on how clever the puzzle solving is, and how good you or how well you can communicate with your fellow player. Like there there could be something cool there. And it is a Switch exclusive to start, at least, which is, you know, just going back to that old Switch MO being the multiplayer system baked in that, you know, the advantage it has over other consoles. Like that's two controllers right there. 
wherever you are like that that might be a fun one for it um the other i watched shout out was lorelei and the laser eyes which oh, yes. uh, caught I my i totally forgot about that yes. it reminded yes. me of uh yeah. hotel dusk on the d- on the it's like hotel dusk crossed with like uh yes that was on the 3ds it's like hotel dusk crossed with it sounds like gameplay wise a little professor layton but um yes it I, definitely yeah, i totally forgot about that yes uh lorelei and the laser eyes it's, looks awesome yeah, and, and like originally I was just like, oh, these are really like kind of unique character designs and it has this kind of cool art style where it's like a lot of like dark moody, like black with like white and then there's like these streaks of like pink and red accents in the art. Um, and then this Simogo logo or however you say their name popped up and it clicked that the reason I'm like, oh, these character designs are interesting is because it's the Sina- uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts developers and the characters look kind of like the Sayonara Wild Hearts characters and I love Sign our wild hearts. So now that game is shot way up my list. Not just because like it looked kind of interesting, but like I will follow that developer wherever they go at this point. Um, no idea what the game is. They're describing it as a modern take on point and click, which is mysterious. As mysterious as the plot of the game, which is you know you're investigating murders in a mansion or something like that. So so we'll see what that all means. But um, yeah, Lorelai and the Laser Eyes, kind of a kind of a cool. Also, Switch first um, surprise. So, and it was nice to see that Nintendo, you know, they had a lot of big third-party games, but then they, like, to the point of, you know, the Direct being so solid, they had a lot of big, beefy, like, names, but then they also slipped in some interesting new exclusives as well. So it was, like, a really good balancing act of big IP, small IPs, big publishers, small developers. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a good Direct. Um, unless you guys have anything else, that does conclude the final Nintendo Direct of any caliber we'll be covering in this form of our podcasting. Um, anything else you want to shout out from the director? Should we go to our final segment of the evening here? No, no, just come on, Nintendo. Just drop the mini moniker. But otherwise, yeah, we'll solve the show. Okay. So that does uh, mean we just wrapped with Angel saying, Nintendo, <laughs> clean up your branding. Our final news segment, which is great. If you go back to our early years, at one point we actually called our news segment, What's Up with Nintendo? And then we just unceremoniously dropped that name sometime before kevin became third chair i don't know if you even remember we used to do that angel but like every episode would be like all right that's what we've been playing and let's talk about what's up with nintendo does that like i i totally forgot that was a thing until like the other night and i was like oh when did we stop doing that and why and why did we do it to begin with (laughs) but um but anyways we did want to take a few minutes to reflect here uh like i said at the start of the episode we've been doing this show for 10 and a half years um it was only in november that we did our big 10th anniversary blowout with memories of events we went to and favorite moments in games and and you know we brought on old friends and it was a grand old time all around um a few things could theoretically be amended from that like we have more episode tiles now to choose our favorites between but like let's be honest as as 2022 have we had the best episode tiles this year so far has they been that good like maybe curb your enthusiasm maybe what's indie cards are two standouts but like I don't think we need to do more retrospective stuff about the show. Like, for all that show retrospective stuff, I personally would just point everyone back to episode 268. It's legitimately a really fun episode, if you ask me. Um, so go listen to that if you want to hear about the show for the past 10 years. But one thing that wasn't touched on as much in that episode, and this is actually something, Angel, you mentioned and raised when we were talking about how to wrap this thing up, is kind of what the podcast meant for us individually. Like, obviously, obviously, everyone out there listening, you guys help keep us going. You know, knowing you're out there, getting your feedback and comments, seeing our listenership numbers rise, it's really rewarding. And we thank you tremendously for that. But we always talk about the show as this one entity, right? Except 
It's really made up of the three of us. And as we'll soon discuss, the three of us are really the core of what comes next for our podcasting careers, I guess you could say. Like, what you can hear next from us is around the three of us. So we've talked about the show in the past. We've talked about Nintendo's impact on said show. But we are really at Angel's prompt here kind of thought what about us like as individuals what did this show mean to each of us how has it impacted each of us and what's the new format going to mean for us so angel since this came from you do you want to kind of start off with what it was what the ram nintendo podcast was for you yeah of course and like for me like the podcast has always been you know you could almost i could kind of describe like my interest like in pillars like, you know, I have, like, my video game pillar, my drawing pillar, my animating pillar, which I do keep separate because they're kind of different. And, you know, like, over the years, like, in the beginning when we started, like, this was a very core part of, like, what my routine was. Like, part of, like, my day did involve, like, you know, going to go Nintendo every day, scouring, like, Nintendo news. Like, Nintendo was a big part of that, but, and it was great. Like, it represented, like, a part of who I was, like, for many, many, many years. And, you know, like, up until, like, these last, like, 10. But, you know, where people are complex things. Like, everyone, like, you know, we all grow and change with time. And over time, I just started grabbing more and more different hobbies. Like, you know, like, some of my things kind of split into multiple things. Some, I started picking up Japanese a lot more. Some of my animation and drawing, like, took in, got taken different directions. But probably more so than anything... The way I consume media has definitely evolved over the last 10 years. And it's definitely like, gotten more and more, I would say, diverse in the last like three or four. To the point that like, there's just too many things to consume, too many things that I like, too many different interests. especially in, And I could even like break it down for like in just the video game space because, yeah, I started to consume more different types of TV shows, different types of movies... But even just in game space, like, yeah, like, I built a PC in the last, like, two years. I, like, started playing more, like, games on, you know, obviously on PC, on other consoles. And suddenly, like, it wasn't just about Nintendo as much. Like, now my daily routine isn't even really looking so much at the news, but just, like, a couple games, like, that, like, I'm looking forward to playing on different consoles or just even diving into the backlog because God knows, like, everyone's backlog is incredibly big. And kind of with that it's like the pockets have always been like a nice place to you know reflect and like discuss all those things about nintendo but yeah like and as you've definitely noticed like i've had a little less things a couple of things to say about certain nintendo things because i've just started like diversifying those things a lot more and i'll have more things to say about other things and, and, you know, in addition, what can you say about Nintendo? I was like, today I had a lot to say about, like, those first two games, especially, like, Capcom fighting. But, yeah, it's, like, a pillar that's been nice and strong that we're obviously still going to keep there. It's just going to, you know, evolve with me and evolve with us. It's, a, it's supporting and, a bigger structure alongside other pillars, it sounds yeah, like is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just evolving with the times. And it's just always been a... A nice, like, you know, not just a pillar, like, to express, like, this major part of, like, my personality and my interests, but also just, like, an awesome way to keep us, like, us to be connected. Because this is something that, you know, just meant a lot to me, like, obviously more importantly because of that part, that aspect. Just giving us, like, a consistent avenue to just chat with each other and, you know, like, have, like, random conversations and honestly, like, 
and I know it literally just off the top of my head and it just so happens to which kind of proves my point like not be from a random Nintendo thing but you know like stuff like random like jump to buck ratio or maybe something from random Nintendo which it's not even Nintendo related but when we were talking about like why time zone shouldn't be a thing oh, which God. was discussed in a random <laughs> Nintendo episode but isn't which I'm not done with by the way Nintendo. yeah that really should that really should change yeah we're like, we're, 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 we're you know what's funny is we're going back for to folks this conversation. Listen, yeah, for folks who that will be in our debut of our new show. But yeah, for folks who uh, obviously aren't with us in real life, we have brought this up amongst ourselves, hanging out together, like as recent as a week ago. We were like out at like a Hulu event, and we were sitting there discussing time zones. So this is a recurring bit now. I wouldn't even call it that. It's a not even a bit. It's just lives. a lifestyle. It's not a bit. It's a real thing. It's out. a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Angel. Were, you, were there? Were there? I feel like love you guys. Love the show. Love all you listeners. Like it's always like, you know, it's always humbling. It's always like, you know, means a lot when like we like read your comments or yeah, just like it's it's great. Thank y'all. Yeah, that's all I got. It's pretty good what you got. Um, how about you, Kevin? What was the show? Because you, to be fair, were sort of not a latecomer, but you know, you you were the third chair, a guest originally that kind of came and went, and then you solidified it so what was this meant to you both as a listener originally and now kind of being on the microphone end it's very strange for me you know you guys had had this podcast for many many years and i remember getting the text from angel saying hey would you like to be a third chair <laughs> and i'm a podcast guy i've been listening to podcasts since high school which oh god <laughs> Oh god, high school is almost over ten years ago for me now. And um, you're younger than us. And which I'm means, younger. Oh than god. You guys, you know, so, <laughs> so, but but yeah, college but like, is over ten years. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. I know. Oh but god. Like, it's been so long for me, and I've been listening to podcasts, and I've always been like, yeah, I would join a podcast if I want to. I'd 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 be on a podcast with a couple of friends if they wanted to. And I remember getting that text from Angel saying like, Hey, would you like to be a third chair? And, mm-hmm. you know, I weighed the pros and cons. Like, you guys had been doing this for so long. And I was very, very grateful that you guys allowed me to be the third chair. And, you know, it's been, I don't even remember how long it's been since I've been third chair. But you guys allowing me to be a part of your podcast was very, very, you know, I, I love you too. And you guys bringing me in was you know, it was it was very very emotional for me that that you allowed me to come on to you, to this thing that you guys had established by yourselves, and you know, we, you know, we... I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting emotional. My head might be no, the, no, might no, be no, no. It's, it's me, so... but like, you know, it was it was very special to me. It was it was <laughs> hey, you know, I get to bring my thoughts to it, it allowed me to speak my mind onto the things that I liked Nintendo doing and things that you guys know as much as I do how much some of the things that Nintendo does do that I, I'm not very fond of and then you guys allowed me to bring on Quarantine Chronicles that turned into random Nintendo and right, you know right. it, it was you know it's I don't know how to explain it, but it's it's like 
very, very special to me. It's, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that you guys allow me to have voice and, you know, it's just, it's just nice, I guess. The, the same way that Keanu Reeves put it when he was talking about NFTs. I know this is very deep in the weeds. <laughs> it's just nice to have something nice, you know? I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so. But, you know, no, we, we were so happy to have you join. Like, I think the, in all honesty, and, and we've said this to you off mic, so to speak, but like, to, to, to put it on, to put it on record, like, the, di- there was a, a shift in our dynamic. And I think it was definitely for the better. You added, like, you added a little spiciness because you had some hot takes that we would, you know, you would get passionate about things in ways that, like, I can ramble about sales numbers, but you would get, like, passionate about certain things in such ways that really was, not just a very well articulated point, but really fun to listen to and be part of the conversation of. So I, I think he made the podcast way better than what Angel and I could do on our own. And and that you know, Angel obviously we've been doing this for a decade, and I've been extremely happy with how that's been going with us. So like oh, yeah, for Kevin to come great. in and be able to mix it up in that positive of a way was like super cool. Yeah, and it's just a, a chance to hang out on a regular basis with the three of us because you know Angel and I were doing it, but to be able to bring you in the fold and like. We become closer friends to it. It's just, it's just really cool. Yeah, it's a really, yeah. it's a cool opportunity that came along. I'm glad that you agreed to join us and take that opportunity for yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, and I definitely reflect that sentiment. I'm like honored that, like, I was super happy that you like were down to do it, and like, undoubtedly, like the best thing that could have happened to the podcast. So, thank you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, you also kind of saved it because, like, yeah, like I mean, not to get too much into it, but. Yeah, who knows what would have if we would have gone like another five years or however long we did like without Kevin? I mean, who knows? What yeah, at yeah. Point. It's true because yeah, that it was sort of a like a like a shot of adrenaline, like a need, like you know when you like do a shot of adrenaline in someone's arm or something. So yeah, um, I guess my is it my turn? Uh, I guess it's yeah, my turn, it's huh? Absolutely, your turn. Uh, Go ahead. So this may get a little long. Um, because, you know, for me, Ramtown is a bit more history. Um, as any long time listener has heard me say, I do have more to Ramtown, more than just the podcast itself. Uh, in one form or another, it has existed since the early 2000s before I was even in high school, if we're talking about being old. Um, so it's very, for lack of a better way to put this, Ram Nintendo is like a thing is very core to me to like how I see myself, my identity, kind of my self-worth, like having this Nintendo outlet, having this place where I can geek out about a company I love, the games I love, the financial reports I seem to love with, you know, friends I love having these conversations with and hanging out with and spending time with, like having that outlet has been something I've in one capacity or another had for over half my life and the people I got to hang out, you know, gush with have kind of changed. Um, a little too, like we had like volunteer staff at one point. You guys are definitely, no offense to my volunteer staff. You, you guys are definitely best of the bunch. Um, but like not having that sort of independent entrepreneurial thing I can point to as something I do and not having it be about something I'm so passionately into. Like I feel like I'd be missing a piece of me. Like that's how crucial it's been in my life for so long. And that's why I meant by kind of being part of my self worth. And the, the podcast was definitely like the best form of this to date. I can't stress that enough. It was the longest running for a reason. There's a reason you guys and I were able to do this for now 10 and a half years. But if I look back at Ram Nintendo was done for like me personally through all this, it kind of served not just as a place for me to be like a Nintendo nerd, but it kind of like honestly sort of shaped my entire life trajectory. And I realize how dramatic that sounds, but I do mean it. So if you, if you would join me for a minute as I step back in time, um, Ram Nintendo has gone through like three different forms and phases that really helped me identify what it is I enjoy doing and kind of what level I enjoy doing it at. Um, like if you go way back, 
this whole thing started and the name came from a random .tk website, one of those free .tk domains I decided to make where I'd occasionally write reviews. I'd Photoshop, this is real, I'd Photoshop fake GameCube and Game Boy Advance boxes with made-up games. And it was silly. And I was like, you know, not even in high school yet, but it was fun. And it's what led me to start to explore some like rudimentary Photoshop and get into like some light graphic design, which I sort of self-taught. And it kind of has remained an aspect of, albeit at a lower level, like my actual career. And all that stemmed from those silly fake game boxes I used to make. But as that evolved and I got more into it, I actually started to write more too, like a lot more. Uh, if you fast forward now to high school, my high school years, I was seriously looking to have Ram Nintendo be something where I could emulate the speed of coverage of someone like IGN or GameSpot or uh, then Planet GameCube, if anyone remembers that old name for Nintendo World Report. Like, I, and I'm not kidding. Like, literally, I'd come home from school and spend multiple hours rewording press releases into my own original stories and then posting them always on the same day they broke because, you know, one day late, that's too late. Uh, and the thinking was like, hey... Maybe I have a knack for this game journalism thing. Maybe that's the future for me. You know, I mentioned I had volunteer staffers at the time. I, that, the idea there was like, well, if I want to like build out Nintendo's, I make this like a thing I do. Like I'm going to need people to help shape that future. Um, but at the same time as that was happening, there's this other side of Rand Nintendo I, I haven't talked about as much, you know, in over the years on the podcast. And uh, also this other kind of side of me, I guess. Um, I was also, this is something I have mentioned, but I was also very active in Nintendo's official Insider forums back then. I became an early version of what's now considered an influencer, essentially. They called them sages. They quote us on, like, Nintendo.com's homepage, and unprompted, we'd pop up in Nintendo Power being quoted, which was a super fun surprise, like, four times it happened. Um, but we were, uh, like, we were basically, we were basically the thought leaders, if you will, of the Nintendo community. And that inspired me to also include a forum on Random Nintendo, like the Daily News site, which actually, like for a high school kid, we had a good like five to six hundred members on there, multiple volunteer moderators, and I really enjoyed running it. So now I wasn't just like writing static stories around Nintendo. I was literally in tandem building and maintaining this kind of like living, breathing community. And in the midst of all that, Nintendo also asked me to become a volunteer moderator of their forum, paid in occasional Game Boy games, but essentially for free. And that aspect of what I was doing, like between managing around Nintendo's community and assisting with Nintendo's official one, that, in retrospect, is what gave me my current career path, where I now, without you know doxing myself too much here, I run teams who manage online forums that combined have an audience reach of like 68 million people across 145 different websites. And the spark of that was back then a little random Nintendo forum. And Nintendo gave me a peek behind the curtain of their forum, quite possibly only after seeing that my forum was not you know complete chaos. Like, maybe they thought I had a, a knack for this type of thing. Which now brings me to the podcast itself, like the actual thing that we're changing here. And to that notion, uh, and it brings me back to that notion I gave that's part of my identity. Like, when I came out of college and started to do my online community career, obviously game journalism wasn't a part of that plan anymore. The time commitment of the daily site wasn't realistic. Even in college, I dropped that. Uh, but I still loved talking about Nintendo and sharing thoughts and, yeah, sharing sales numbers. And there was a very receptive and equally interested friend on the other end of those conversations, Angel, you. And it seemed like it would be fun to give us a project, give us a podcast, you know, give us this outlet to really have those conversations we were kind of already having anyway. And selfishly for me, it was a way to sort of carry on the legacy of Rand Nintendo and everything I liked about reporting news and reviewing games, but with a time commitment and format 
that allowed me to also have a career in social life. Because for me, throughout all this, a core part of me, especially me on the internet, is my Nintendo fandom and showing that fandom and discussing things within that fandom and presenting those discussions in some sort of quote-unquote like formal capacity. And what's been incredibly fun about the podcast, beyond getting to share the experience with two friends who I love, is that I think we also found the right ratio or equation of how to have this outlet as a hobby but hit all the goals we'd want to hit if it was more of a career. Like going to E3 as media, covering multiple other conventions like PAX or GameStop Expo or Comic-Con or Indie Mix, um, getting review codes, interviewing Zelda voice actors, and you know, most significant to me, continuing to have a platform where I can express my hot takes or whatever and have people seemingly actually care about those thoughts on the receiving end, which again, you know, that includes the two of you and it also includes everyone listening now or at any point ever in the past. I am eternally grateful for that. And and really like my overarching like passion, like the reason I love the online community work I do for like my career is because I really like being able to form connections over a shared interest. I mean, Kevin, you started out as a guy I knew through Angel's brother, but we like became better friends as you joined us here on the show over this shared connection of gaming. And like broadly speaking, it's just a really cool, unique thing the internet was able to give us as a collective, I don't know, humanity, I guess. Like we don't have to become friends based on proximity anymore. You can make friends across the country or world because of a shared interest. And for me, that's always been Nintendo. It's why I'm always like Nintendo foot forward in everything I do online. I mean, just look at my Twitter. It's like constantly Nintendo. And it's, I think what has driven so much of my desire to keep finding ways to share my enthusiasm, opinions, passions about Nintendo with friends who are, you know, just as excited about or with a larger group, because in that group, there are connections made. I've met multiple listeners over the years, and it's always a cool experience that I'm always thankful for. Um, so I'm sorry this is so long-winded. I think it just goes to show how much Ram Nintendo has, especially in the podcast form, meant to me, even beyond just an opportunity to share closely with you guys who are already friends, but like kind of forming those new connections. And I also think it shows, honestly, that uh, Ram Nintendo is kind of like a Pokemon in that it's gone through evolutions itself, right? Like first it was the .tk fake game thing, then it was the daily news site, then it entered its third form, its strongest yet and presumably final form with the podcast. Except now, like in, I guess, the later Pokemon games, there's an opportunity to evolve in a different way. I think random Nintendo or Quarantine Chronicles, as you know, it started when you came up with it, Kevin, I think it really opened our collective eyes to the fact that now the relationships are established enough that we can talk about more than Nintendo. We're all friends here, including you out there listening to this, and we can just have we can have just as much fun talking about movies or music or other games on other platforms and you know thanks to the feedback of you listeners we know you guys enjoyed random nintendo as well which kind of you know proof is in the pudding there so to speak so to go back to the pokemon analogy like random nintendo it's a dated Pokemon analogy now I think about because it it's Pokemon X and Y, but whatever. Random Nintendo was like we discovered a mega stone, right? And we're now sort of mega evolving the normal random Nintendo podcast, which means for me, I get to keep having my Nintendo outlet. For Angel and Kevin, you, you guys have some freedom of not hearing every single financial sales number, but also discussing content you're actually consuming and interested in. And continuing collectively, we all get to continue the the fun of having these chances to bond over this stuff and, you know, having that friendship just go even further, which is in its own right worth doing this podcast for. And then for everyone listening out there, it's also going to be a very familiar show. Like, it's going to be like, you know, going from Charizard and Mega Charizard. They're, they're kind of similar, but they're kind of different. Uh, like, we're shooting to keep it bi-weekly. 
although there may be some exceptions, in which case we'll keep you posted. Uh, we'll have some new theme music, which you have to tune into here. But Kevin, you can confirm it's pretty good theme music, right? Yeah, you pretty good. It. In in my opinion, yeah. you know, I th- I think you guys were both on board or yep. still finalized, yeah. but 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 we got a we got a uh, banger, we got a banger yeah. on deck just in case we want. We to use do it. indeed, and 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 the show will still. For those who, like, you know, they tuned in because we talked about Nintendo, there is still going to be an anchor in Nintendo. Not every news story will be covered, and I'm sure at bare minimum, you know, I might be the only one at times that has a story, but I will at least have a topic or two that's still Nintendo. Plus, we now get the variety of the random Nintendo show, meaning whatever else we've been into, you know, we still have an opportunity to share it with you as these three individuals that all of you have gotten to know the likes and dislikes of. So we're kind of moving from it being about, like, Nintendo, being about these people that you've connected with because of Nintendo. Which leaves us with the final bit of news about the revamped show, which is the name. Um, actually, two things. Before I get to the name, I do want to say, I kind of like source that throughout, but I do want to just bluntly say thank you to you two, Kevin, Angel, Angel, Kevin, for um, being there every step of the way, you know, going through the, the, the times when maybe it was me that wanted to talk about things more than you, giving me the chance to be able to do so. And helping really make the show what it was and as, as hopefully great as people found it to be. Um, you know, hopefully they found it to be great is what I'm trying to say, but I thought it was great. I, I appreciate everything you guys have done these past ten and a half years. I'm very excited to go into this next step with you guys. Um, which does leave us with the final bit of news, like I was starting to say, which is the show needs a name. And, uh, what do you do with a show that has random in the name already, but the entire premise going forward is going to be more random in its topics than before? Well, you can't do random Nintendo, but you can make it randomer Nintendo. Uh, the new show, Randomer Nintendo, will show up right when you expect, every other Sunday, just like the current shows did. First one drops uh, July 17th, so literally our usual schedule. And you can find it right where you expect it. It'll be on the exact same random Nintendo feed you know and love on every podcast app under the sun, be it, you know... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Music, Pandora, uh, our YouTube channel, RamNintendo.com. Uh, you can still follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo. That's not changing either. And we're individually on Twitter still. I'm JSR7, Angel's Wero, W-E-R-R-O, underscore O, Kevin is KVN, go me. Um, what, if, what if we just decided to change our Twitter names to just like... That'd be funny. You know, that's a good point. I didn't check with you if 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 changing the podcast means changing your personal Twitter handle. Maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, so all that's going to be the same, guys. Is what I'm trying to say, like to, to the listeners out there. Like that's all. You're still going to find us the same way. You're still going to hear us the same way. Hopefully, you still feel that connection to us the same way. The connection that I feel we built with you, the listeners, and even stronger between ourselves as hosts. Like, we're just taking that to the next step. We're evolving. That That's literally all this is. That's why it's like an ER at the end of random and not something totally different. It's just the next step in what this connection we've all built together can lead to, if you will. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to add before we really wrap it here. But that's where my head's at. First, thanks for everything to both of you and to our listeners. Uh, Yeah. Love you guys. Can't wait to keep doing this with you guys. You know, we're going on to a new era. Can't wait to, to, I guess, be on this ride with you guys. Incredibly thankful. Let's get it. So with that, 
you know, we have this soundbite we use from time to time. The kind soul that is Charles Martinet years ago records a soundbite as Mario, and we've used it sparingly, but if our show name is soon Randomer Nintendo, even though the broader Random Nintendo name isn't going anywhere, uh, we can't really use it as much if the show is Randomer Nintendo. So one last time, for old time's sake, Mario, you, the real you, not the Chris Pratt you, have the final word. To all my friends is at Random Nintendo. You guys are number one.